Welcome to Weird Kid Video. I'm Cameron Snape and I miss video source so much I opened one in my own home, packed with the VHS tapes of the trash cinema I grew up watching at a highly inappropriate age. Every week I force my co-host Kira Jade Opitz and Brandon McDonald to sit through a movie for us to discuss. So come on in, have a look around and sign up for a membership. This is Weird Kid Video. Old business. Old business. Brodie owes us a nightmare. Oh, I yeah. do. I do. Now I was thinking about it. I don't want to say too many, so I'll just say the simplest and weirdest one that I've had since I was a young man. Do you all remember the Where's Wally show? Of course. Yeah. Yeah? How it like pause and you had to like find him and, and Oddlaw and all that? Yep. Yeah. Hit it. Where's Wally? Where's Wally? Did you say him? Where's Wally? So, I love me some Wes Wally. <laughs> I fucking love it too. Uh, Waldo for the Americans. Yes. Um, so weird. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't go as well. Anyway, no. there was this episode that like kind of manifest the body of the dream, but it's basically Wally needed to like jump across some like quicksand pits, mm-hmm. but there was also like some Mario style, like big things that were like swamping down that he needed to like time through, maybe completely making up this episode, but <laughs> the world is created from... Where's Wally? Yeah. And it is nothing about the quicksand. It is nothing about Wally. You know what is the part of the nightmare that fucking, like, gets me in it? When I'm in it, that's the fear where it comes from. It's the speed that the big thwomping things go Ooh, at. Okay. Not the thwomping things at all. The big, like, dropping, like, yeah. Mario style kind of things. It's something about the speed that they move at that creeps me out. And every now and again... You just don't like fast-moving objects? I don't know what it is. <laughs> They're not moving fast. They're this weird in-between fast and slow that makes it creepy. It's so bizarre. I can't explain it to you. But sometimes I get that feeling waking. And it doesn't terrify me, but I'm like, oh, what was that? Like, it just sends a chill down my spine. But it still haunts me. And I don't, <laughs> I don't know where it comes from. If any audience members knows what sensation I'm describing, please reach out. I would love to know. <laughs> so in this dream, I have nothing. are I have you no Wally? Response to that. <laughs> I or are you you? I am me, but I am like where Wally would be. Right. Yeah. You wearing Wally clothes? No, I, it doesn't manifest that that real at all. Right. Bizarre, right? Mm-hmm. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody, please leave us more reviews okay. so that uh, Brody can give us more nightmares. Continue giving us nightmares. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Moving on to talk about a different man in a sweater with straps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> New business. This awesome. episode, there is something inside us that wants out. <laughs> we are talking about A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2, Freddy's mm. Revenge. Someone is coming back to Elm Street. He is not friendly. He is not patient. Kill for me. Is not a welcome visitor. No! 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 But he has something terribly special for the new kid on the block. It started to happen again. Dad! You're in trouble. You've had some scary dreams, okay? Help! Daddy can't help you now. There's something inside of me. 
So uh, I'm just going to do sources up front. Uh, so same, pretty much the same as last episode, the 2010 doco Never Sleep Again about all of the Nightmare movies uh, and the screenplay. And I do have one other source, but I'll talk about it within the context of when I bring it up in Matt. a conversation. Uh, starting a little differently, expectations. What were your expectations coming into the sequel, Brody? I thought it was going to be less grounded than it was. I thought it was going to lean harder into a nothing's real aspect, which I feel like the trailers of later Freddy kind of dips into, like things get more fantastical, even though there was some fucking crazy bits in this, but I thought it was going to be more of a dreamscape movie. Interesting. And it wasn't. It's almost a movie that has no dreamscape in it. Yes. And mm. which, which we loved with in the first one, cause it toyed with what was and what wasn't a dreamscape scape. And they do that in this movie, but there's so much more there's so much less of the dreamscape. It's so much more grounded. I, feel I would like. argue that there is almost no dreaming in this movie whatsoever. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's very little. There's a lot of sleepwalking. Yeah. There's almost no dreaming. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hectic. Pre-production started on this movie within months of the first movie's release. Bob Shea, the head of New yeah. Line, as I'd mentioned last time, had leveraged his whole life to make the first movie. The whole studio. He was getting banged for his buck. Yeah. And while the movie was a box office hit, New Line didn't see a lot of that money come back because they had spent money and they had promised money to other pe other people right. as part of getting the, the, movie, the movie made. The value that they got out of the first movie was having a successful IP. Mm. It was then having that intellectual property because Wes had sold them the, all of his rights That's right. in order to get that movie made. So Wes has nothing. New Line owns it. Did he come back for this? No. Ah. With the sequel, Bob would get to keep the money. Yeah, man. He wouldn't get, have to big borrow and steal. Do we know what Bob was like as a dude? Is it Bob Shea has a, a reputation for being a, a – he comes across quite lovable. Okay. But he also has a reputation – he's a Hollywood executive from that from the 80s. So right? a bit of a savage He's as a well. little bit of a, yeah. a hard-nosed businessman. Yeah. But you had to be in order to be able to, to, be able to make sure, it. Sure, sure, and sure. And as we talked about, him and Wes did not – were both under a lot of pressure and did not have a great relationship during the making of the first yeah. movie where Bob wanted more creative input than Wes was willing to yeah. give him. Bob took a couple of pitches for new concepts from screenwriters. Mm. One of those concepts I found out is actually ended up being reused for part five. Oh. <laughs> yeah, cool. which if we, if we cover it, then I'll, um, I'll circle back yeah. and mention it. But he ended up going with a screenwriter that had never written anything before. As a courtesy, he asked Craven to return, but... Craven disliked the script, and when Craven provided notes on the screenplay, they were like, yeah, no, we're making this movie. <laughs> Can I ask, do you feel like this one's much more of a slasher? 
Not really. Maybe a little bit more than the last one. Yeah. Mm. Rachel Talley, who I've mentioned before, who yep. goes on to direct. Worked uh, up and up and up. Yeah, yeah. So she goes on to direct Freddy's Dead, says she doesn't know if there was ever actually even more than a conversation with Wes to return. Uh, like it, it really didn't go very far at all. Probably so. tried to negotiate for a bit of ownership back as well. Yeah, he also probably wanted to get paid. We'll talk about Wes getting paid later. Okay. <laughs> right, okay. No one ever spoke to Heather Lenkamp. There was never any plan to bring back Nancy. I, it, the way I viewed it is she died last movie. It's so open-ended, right? Yeah. Nightmare 2 was directed by Jack Shoulder. We already saw a Jack Shoulder movie. He directed The Hidden. Oh, ah. solid name, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Shoulder and Bob, and Bob Shea went way back. Shoulder had actually directed, his first movie was Alone in the Dark, New Line's first slasher made on the back of the success of Friday the 13th. We've mentioned it before. It's got nothing to do with the video game. Oh, right. We had this, <laughs> Thank you. We had this was exact just same, my confused face. We had this exact same interaction last time around that I mentioned that title. So because he was mates, he'd come up through cutting trailers at New Line and then, yeah, directed yeah. in the dark. And so How do you remember everything that we do? Because <laughs> I'm broken. Yeah. And, and you uh, don't remember anything that you said. Yeah, yeah. I'm just here for good times. So <laughs> he was the obvious choice to bring in and direct a sequel, especially with how quickly he wanted to turn it around. Yeah. Because he's Bob's mate. Yeah, right? yeah. And he works quick. Shoulder was not a horror guy. He doesn't really like horror. He initially passed, but he took the job because it, it would make him as a director yeah. because he's directing the sequel to the biggest hit of the previous year. So the screenplay was written by David Chasen. Chasen is very much a horror guy. This is, was his first produced screenplay. He would also go on to write The Curse, which has got Will Wheaton in it, which Will Wheaton is like, I wish I'd ever made that movie. Right. <laughs> and I, Madman. He was a teenager. Will Wheaton was a teenager when he made that movie. And yeah, I, Madman, which apparently is quite good, but I've never got around to seeing it. He already worked at New Line. Yeah. I should have written down what he did, but he didn't, he wasn't a screenwriter. He was basically just plucked. That was not uncommon at New Line. If you had a, if you worked at New Line and you had a script that was halfway decent, they would hire you to write something else. Is this one, is this that era where like you still kind of worked your way up? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, okay. that's looking exactly with Rachel Talley, right? Sure. She starts, as like a, starts as a location manager Yeah, and then she moves and then she moves her way up, especially at a small company like New Line because New Line is not a big studio. New Line is what's called a, a mini mega. Yep. yep right? So they're yep. a tiny studio. They run out of a, like a, they originally were run out of like an office in a strip mall. In <laughs> yeah, like, they're not big. Freddie made them big. That's why it was his idea, David Ch uh, Chaskin, to do something different from the first movie and to have a male victim, which was not typical at the time at all. It was always the final girl. It was always the always a female. Uh, yeah, still kind of is, isn't it? Yeah, it's still it still kind of is. And the idea of Freddie using him as an avatar to affect the real world. But is this kind of close to what happened with that Halloween movie where they found the young guy who like took on the new murders? No, no, it's nothing like that. Oh, okay. Hmm. I like that movie. Okay. Halloween ends. Halloween that's ends right. rules. Spoken about that. Yeah, okay. Yeah. No, that's that's them taking a left turn and basically remaking John Carpenter's Christine, but instead of it being a car, a boy falls in love with a <laughs> serial killer. <laughs> I love that sentence that just came out of your mouth. It basically is. <laughs> yeah. 
when I watched Halloween Ends, I was like, oh, he's just doing Christine. Uh, That's fantastic. Because uh, I love Christine. It's yeah. A, uh, Stephen King novel that John Carpenter directed. Have you seen the movie? I've seen, I saw it we recently. It. It's really good. We I have it a couple not. Weeks ago. It's a good There's time. There's so many movies like that where I'm like, I don't even know that much about it and I know I should be watching it. Yeah. I think yeah. you'd like it. It's a great time. Okay. Uh, can't go a podcast without bringing up Carpenter. Uh, starring a returning Robert Englund as Freddy Krueger. They started shooting without him. What? Was it him the entire time? No, there is a scene where it is not him. Yeah, I'm gonna talk I about so. it. Gonna, so, were they going to not use him? Yeah, he rightfully wanted a pay bump, right? He yeah. was like, we're, we're in a successful I am movie. Freddy. <laughs> I am Freddy. Bob Shea didn't think that, that Robert Englund was in, <laughs> integral to... Fred yeah, that's He's just a guy in a mask. I did. Uh, they could just really use just... a stuntman and save some and save some money. They shot for two weeks without Robert England. The sequence in the shower. There's a shot where Freddie comes out of the, the where Freddie comes out of the steam where he shambles like his Frankenstein's monster. <laughs> yeah. That is a stuntman in Robert England's outfit. They looked at the dailies and Jack Shoulder was like, "You need to fucking pay England." Yeah. yeah. I feel like there was less of his of Robert England's like gunslinger stage performance style acting in Well this. he has less he has a little less to do physically in this in this movie than he does True. in the previous yeah. movie. Because a lot of it's from his perspective. From so Jesse. you're not actually seeing him. True. Yeah. You're just sort of seeing the claw or Yeah, a lot of it is him him again affecting the world through Jesse. Yeah, right? yeah, right, right, right. True, true, true. Which leads us to Jesse. Mark Patton as Jesse. This was his second film. He'd previously been uh he was a Broadway he was a New York Broadway actor. And he had been in the film version of the Broadway play Come Back to the Five and Dime, Jimmy Dean, Jimmy Dean, that was directed by Robert Altman, that had been a successful play and then a successful movie. I am going to talk a lot more about Mark Patton, so I'm, at this point I'm just going to kind of, kind of move on. This is um, a lead, yeah? Yeah, this was his... This was yeah, only, great intensity. He, this was, he was good. This is only his second film. Every single time I see this movie, the first the first scene that he's in, I, I see him and go, I forgot that that guy was the, the guy in this film. And then we get out of that dream sequence and it's like, oh, it's because he looks different in that first scene because yeah. Yeah, we'll his hair's it. all different. And yeah. so it's like every, every single time and then and I never remember that that's an I issue with to this go back. movie. Mm. I'm not going to lie, I started the movie again because I was confused. You didn't right. realise it was yeah. the same person. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Kim Myers as Lisa. This is her first movie. This is the only time we will ever talk about her. She was never in anything else that was. Are that, you fucking kidding? That, never in anything else that we would that we would talk about. Although she has made continued to be a working. Oh, working okay, actress. that would have fucking blown my mind. What do I know her from, Kane? It's no. was killing me all movie. No, no, no. She just looks like young Meryl Streep. <laughs> Holy fuck, she does. Yeah, I don't yeah, know if does. I had to say that in the mic. Holy fuck, she does. Which is the which is oh. one of the reasons she was cast in the movie to begin with. <laughs> That has that's given me goosebumps. Yeah, she looks like young. She Meryl really Street. does. That is bizarre. Yeah. I was like, I know I've seen her, and she's not related at all. Is no, she? It's not just at all. She's just, they just look very, very similar. Bizarre. I love that. She's quite good. Other cast members I'll talk about as they appear, because now that I've introduced those kind of three key players, I'm going to deal with the elephant in the room up front. Yeah. Kira knows what I'm talking about. Nightmare fans definitely know where I'm going. This is the gay nightmare. Yep. Oh yeah. Yep, yep, yep. And for Mark Patton, that ruined his career and his life. Really? Yes. He's a gay man. Yeah. But in 1985, he was closeted and trying to avoid being stereotyped and perceived as gay because he feared it would stop him getting cast in things, which, which is exactly what happened after this movie came out. His agents flat out told him he needed to be a character actor because he could not play straight. This is our lead. Yes. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't feel that way. I mean, there's... It's a different cultural circumstance. Okay. Right? 
it, this is 1985. This is Reagan's America during gay panic and the start of the AIDS epidemic. Fuck people. You suck. cannot be gay and out in Hollywood. Rock Hudson has just been exposed days before he died of, of AIDS. It's against America's good old fashioned American values. It upsets Nancy Reagan, and we don't want to upset Nancy Reagan. She's the blowjob queen of Hollywood in 1943. Yeah, and she's in hell. And I'm not slut shaming her. Good for Nancy. But the fucking hypocrisy yeah. of those bloodless sons of bitches. Fuck me, man. If there was a whiff of gayness around you, you would be basically blacklisted. You would not be casting things. At this period of time, because of the fear of AIDS and people um, demonizing it so much, if you got signed on a TV show, you had to take blood tests. Shut because up. Because they were terrified that you could that if you were in a kissing scene, you would give the lead actress gay. Uh, you gay. <laughs> but they you'd wouldn't make be. Her, you'd make they her gay. would have been, though. You'd make her gay and then you would give her HIV, and which would could turn into AIDS. Wow. As in, like, everybody had to be blood tested? Yes, or everybody just had to be blood tested. A, a, all the men. Yeah, but all the men, not just men that they suspected of being gay, right? Yes, all the men. That is crazy. Yeah, so that's the environment. And, and I don't think that people understand that that's the environment that this movie comes out in. Like I didn't it is, know that that was a thing. Yeah. See, maybe so, it's like cultural blindness that I have now, but I kind of read it as like leaning into the awkwardness of like high school and puberty and sexuality. Yes. That's exactly what the For movie is saying. Oh, <laughs> but there are those shots that are like definitely focused in on a guy's crotch. And if like, not, if you miss the gay subtext of this movie, oh no, there's no. super heavy okay. gay subtext of this film. But like, oh well, like let's not go crazy. But like, it's no, definitely it readable. It's, oh no, it's it's, it's not everywhere. just readable. It's everywhere. But like, <laughs> I read that as an attempt at being like, oh, um, puberty. Is but nobody confusing. makes. But nobody makes that attempt in 1985. Yeah, right. right. No one's willing to admit that in 1985. Admitting it is kind of part of the problem. So. Uh, tabloids, the news, politicians, they treat finding gay people like a witch hunt. They will find you and they will out you and you will never act again. Like it is insane because of the fear of, of AIDS. So were they, was Hollywood nicer towards homosexual people before, before AIDS? AIDS? Yes. More people were out. You I have find to that understand. Crazy, hey. You have to understand. So the, there was a period of time where it yes. was fine. Well, no. Okay. Sort so of coming okay, out of coming out of the 1960s, there was a lot more acceptance about people's sexu- sexuality, right? Because of like free love and everything, right? So even within kind of mainstream society in the yeah. in the 1970s, it's not it, it's not saying that there wasn't discrimination and hate towards gay people, but more people were comfortable with being with being out. Yeah. In the 80s and Reagan. And gay panic drove people back into the closet. Yeah. And and also decimated an entire generation of people. Yeah. Like people just, Mark Patton talks about the fact that nobody that he knows from that era is still alive. (sighs) Fuck. David Chaskin, the screenwriter of this movie, is a fucking idiot. For years, he denied that there was any gay subtext in his screenplay and that it was Mark Patton's fault for playing it gay. And it was casting's fault for casting somebody who was gay. What a piece of shit. Yes. He claimed that the movie wasn't even secretly gay. It was actually homophobic and should be played at conversion camps to care, to scare kids straight. What? He has since said he was joking. Joke and not accurate in any way. Yeah, definitely not The straightest not person on the planet couldn't make that, that movie straight. No. This is what I hate about things. People say that, like, there's no differentiation between saying something flippant and horrible and saying a joke. 
Mm. People are like, oh, I was joking. No, you were being flippant. No, you were being flippant. Yeah, yeah, you were being flippant and horrible. That's so not a joke. Were you on stage being a comedian that was making a point with your, with your flippancy? <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, you were no. just being an asshole exactly. in a private company. <laughs> exactly. Right. Jack Shoulder, the director, claims complete ignorance. He's like, I didn't, he's like, I didn't, I was so stressed making this movie, just trying to get it made, that he didn't have the self-awareness to realize that any of this may be interpreted as gay. As gay. Right? But that's bullshit. They really just left Patton out to dry. Like, Patton himself says that he realized the subtext while they were making the making the movie. Like, he realized halfway through making the movie, holy shit, this is a gay movie, and I'm in a gay, a gay man in a gay movie, oh. and this is gonna this is gonna be a problem for me. So this must have affected the box office. Uh, we'll we'll talk about that. Okay. So England says that he was aware that so Mark wasn't out gay, but England says that he was aware that Mark was gay, and that that's why he was cast, and that he definitely was treading the line with his performance with Mark on purpose, like he was playing with that stuff on on purpose because he thought he Sorry, was supposed he was- to. Because it was in the script. Who yeah. who is that? Robert Englund. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Okay, right. cool. Finally, in 2010, as a part of Never Sleep Again, the screenwriter Chaskin admitted that he'd written the film to have gay subtext, but blamed Jack Shoulder for making choices at every step of production that emphasized the, que- the queerness, including the, ca- the casting. Oh, I'm sorry so- the director made your film. Yeah. He, he made the subtext text. Yeah. So the, he's, he says, homophobia was skyrocketing. I began to think about our core audience, adolescent boys, and how all this stuff might be trickling down into their psyches. My thought was that tapping into that angst would give an extra edge to the horror. Up until 2020, Jack Shoulder still denies that he had any conversation with Chaskin about the themes of the movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> Ultimately. How is that true anyway? If that's, if that's true, that just makes you a bad, bad director. director. Well, so Jack Shoulder was. I won't talk about the themes with anyone. So yeah. <laughs> Let's not talk about the movie. <laughs> I know. Jack Shoulder says that, yeah, his excuse, which is which is bullshit, is that is that it was a very technically ambitious movie, that he was focused on the technical stuff and that honestly it never it never occurred to him he's just dumb he's yeah, just it's bullshit. ultimately Patton ended up having to quit acting and moved to, to Mexico after the death of his former partner who was a TV actor due to due to uh, AIDS, where he Fuck. became an interior decorator living with the trauma and the resentment of how he was treated he became sick himself from HIV mm. and struggled and struggled with his health he never talked about the movie he had a long term partner in Mexico that did not know that he, that Mark Patton was the star of Nightmare on Elm Street. That's Park. a shame. Wow. That's a real, that's the greatest horror of this fucking movie. Yeah. In 2010, again, as part of Never Sleep Again, the makers of that movie hired a private detective to track down Mark Patton because nobody knew where the fuck he was. And they found him. And Mark started to agree to be part of that documentary and talk about it for the first time. And then started to engage engage with the fandom, and go to horror conventions because horror conventions are massive. We yeah. go get autographs from all these old horror stars, and he realized that over the years, he'd become a gay icon. Queer kids fucking love him. That yeah. gave me goosebumps. Thank you. For a lot of kids that love horror, he was the first time they saw themselves in the thing that they love. Aww. He's one of the first queer scream queens. I love that. And in 2019, he was part. He has a great scream on him too. Yeah, yeah, it's incredible. I, yeah, yeah it's, I think it's great. In 2019, he was part of a documentary about his life called "Scream Queen: My Nightmare on Elm Street." Uh, love that fantastic doco. In the doco, he confronts both Jack Shoulder and David Chaskin. Yeah, Chaskin apologizes to Mark for his behavior 
and they kind of reconcile. All Mark wanted was an apology for him. Oh, this is great. But Jack Shoulder continued to be a fucking moron by telling Mark basically just to get over it. That's a very fucking toxic yeah. white fucking male I, aspect to do. At mm. the um he has started to act a little bit again. Not not a lot, but he does He's go still alive. Yeah. But he goes to Amazing. Lot, goes to lots of cons. Um he has had some more health problems this year. Uh in January his agent had to start a GoFundMe for him to pay for his medical bills. Uh stocking his Instagram, he seems like he must be better because uh two weeks ago he posted a photo of himself and Heather Langenkamp at a ah, horror convention. Awesome. Which is fucking fantastic. Yeah. I fucking love that. That's such a great <laughs> end to that story, Cairns. Thank you. Yeah, and now that we've dealt with that up front, I'm going to do things in a kind of different order for this episode cool. because we're obviously kind of off off track. So Nightmare 2 opened on November 1st, 1985, 357 days after the first movie. They made this movie so fast, wow. less than a year. That's insane. The biggest movie uh, that weekend at the US box office was Death Wish 3. <laughs> okay. Canon film. With- With Charles Bronson. With Bronson. Yeah, right. Okay. Canon film. Good work, yeah. Canon. The second was uh, was William Friedkin's To Live and Die in LA, uh, which is a fun movie with William Peterson. Uh, rest yeah. in peace, you magnificent blowhard. You know, he passed away <laughs> a couple of weeks ago. Nightmare 2 opened fourth. I remember the first one opened 10th. So yeah. We've seen an improvement. Yep. Yeah. So it opened stronger, but it only hang, hung around the US box for a couple of weeks. Its word of mouth was not as good the first time yeah. around. But ultimately, it did make more money than the, than the, than the first movie Dope. because of worldwide and Europe. Europe loved this movie. Okay. Because Europe have open minds. Where is this? Uh, that makes sense, we'll yeah. wait to the end. I was going to yeah. ask you where critically, this one fits. Yeah, critically, it was, re- it was reviewed okay. Jenna Maslin of the New York Times in November of 1985. <laughs> Like the geeks and goons and psychopaths that it celebrates, the horror genre seems capable of resurrecting itself over and over. Just when the form seemed exhausted, when it all looked as though the last dead camp counselor lay butchered on the cabin floor, along have come a couple of better-than-average bloodbaths. Reanimator, a grisly mad scientist movie with villains quite literally a talking head, and now A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2, Freddy's Revenge. The latter is as stomach-churning as, as might be expected, but it has a lot going for it. Clever special effects, a good-looking lead performance, and a villain so chatty he practically makes this a human interest story. <laughs> Mr. Shoulder makes a point of generating suspense out of innocent-looking objects, from a pet bird that turns killer to a room full of inanimate sports equipment that suddenly attacks a high school coach. The film is scary, but it's not without touches of humour, as when a pet bird goes wild, attacks its mate, and then explodes, leaving only a path of feathers. It's that cheap seed you've been buying. <laughs> Someone <laughs> in Jesse's family explains. <laughs> Janet Maslin gave it an okay review. Fucking good on Janet Maslin. And like, just touching on what we spoke about last episode, uh, the difference between fun and humor. I feel like there are some purposeful humor bits, but I definitely felt the fun in this movie. Yeah. And I would say that this movie is sometimes funny unintentionally. Yeah, like I was feeling about last episode kind of thing. Yeah, kind of. Okay. I think this movie has a lot more has more a lot more humor in it. Yeah. Some of that is intentional and some of that is unintentional. Yeah. Do we reckon that horror films just get like kind of parody themselves a little bit over time? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. By the time that Jason Voorhees is throwing a machete at the screen in a parody of the James Bond gun barrel opening. Yeah. Yeah, I think that movie is yeah. making fun of it. Yeah. <laughs> That is a thing that happens. Yeah, okay. All right. They well, do the I wouldn't James know, Bond, but that's fucking dope. They do the James Bond opening with Jason Voorhees. I'm very interested in that movie now. 
Last episode, we talked about how I wrote in my year one creative writing book about yeah. this movie. Yeah. yeah. So I don't remember when I first saw it, but I absolutely remember the cover, which is the um, the the mirror shot with the the claw. And I remember seeing it in the video store and I remember being freaked out by it as a child. This is the iconic cover that I remember. Right. This is when I, like when Freddie is, when someone's talking about Nightmare on Elm Street, I picture you think this. of that color? Yeah. yeah. This one isn't even the big one that you, people think about, is it? No, not really. Okay, interesting. Yeah. My perception of this movie growing up is that it's the bad one. I haven't seen enough to compare, but that's an interesting take. Right? It's the one that's not, not any good because it's the one that breaks the rules. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. The perception within the, the, the fandom is that this is the worst one. I can see that because the first one is the first one and then it probably becomes... It does this in the movie, third one. It forms itself properly. This movie takes a left a left turn. Yeah, right? it, it, it kind of gets back on track after this. Yeah, the internet fucking hated this movie. You just need to look at how many IMDb reviews use slurs. Really about this movie oh, no. to understand how much how disliked this movie was by the, Gina, by the internet. I'm so surprised that the internet is not a nice place to I be. I know, right? <laughs> uh, I remember that Wes thought it was bad because it broke the rules and it didn't have a protagonist that you could care about. Those are his his words. He was like, I disagree. he was like, if Freddie is overtaking this kid, then who who are who's we on? The the, who's person. the good? Who are we on the side of? Yeah. Um, I'm well, very, he doesn't want him to take. Over. No, no, no. Um, I love the dichotomy of it too. And so, because I, uh, you know, Neil of the Church of West Craven, I also felt that way for a very yeah, long I get time. that. But its reputation in the Nightmare Zeitgeist has grown over the years as attitudes have changed. And I'll be honest, as a kid, I don't think I understood the subtext when I, when I was a child, and I don't think I really saw this movie for what it was until I properly until I was an adult and I used to skip it on rewatches mm. like before Kira and I were together and we watched all the nightmares multiple multiple times if I was rewatching nightmare I went straight from one to three interesting which will make sense also make sense for you once you've seen three okay because yeah, it is con- almost continuity wise you can do that and you it don't is, miss uh, anything it's a standalone entry none of the other movies make any reference to it whatsoever uh, ever. right it's the black sheep of, of nightmare movies that's a shame right so Wes comes back I assume as well at some point I'm not going to tell you. Tell Damn. You okay. It's a surprise. It's a surprise. In the blockbuster guide to movies and videos from the year 1998, A Nightmare on Elm Street 2 Freddy's Revenge, Dream Stalker possesses a teenager who moves into the original heroine's house, intent on using him to create havoc in the real world. Slim story, enlivened by stylish effects and serious approach before Freddy became a jokester. Three stars. It's Before? interesting having a concept of later movies whilst writing the review. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. Obviously, because it was because of the way that it was written. Uh, Kira, I'm going to have you recap the premise of Ran Off Street Part Two. Well, you just Freddy's did Revenge. it. <laughs> yeah, but you can have a go. Okay, I'll try to do something different. I was about to say thanks for the heads up, Kira. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Two is a film about a boy who is possessed by Freddy Krueger and kills people while he sleeps. There's a pool party. It's a good time. I like it. Yeah. Uh, if you want to watch a Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2, uh, it's like the other ones, pretty much everywhere digitally. You can watch it. It's out on Blu-ray. 4K one day. Do it. It's Blu-ray. a good time. What streaming platform is it on for us? In Australia, it is on Binge. Binge. Shall we talk our way through a Nightmare on Elm Street Part yes, 2? Yes, please. Let's do it. We open with a yellow school bus dropping off kids in a suburban neighborhood as the credits roll. From the screenplay, it's one of those fantastic spring afternoons and the kids take their freedom like they've just been sprung from Leavenworth. Yeah, yeah. mad. The bus driver. Is it is, actually him? Yeah. It's Robert Englund. I thought so. The face shape of it, I was just like, I feel like that's actually him. Yeah, it's Robert Englund without makeup. 
It's his first appearance in the series without without Michael. He's such yep. a more square-jawed person than I thought he was going to be. He's very round as Freddy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On the bus, we focus on two kind of fashionable teen girls and Jesse, again from the screenplay. About 17, four eyes, bad skin and lousy posture with an ov- obvious inferiority complex. Yeah. He's sweating profusely and he stands slightly to unlatch and lower the window. He pulls it down eventually with all its strength. Th- those two girls are obviously kind of like gossiping about him. Yeah. So eventually what happens is, is that they are the only kids that are still on the bus. The girl's making fun of him. The bus picks up speed and misses the girl's stop before bouncing off the road into the deserts of Ohio. Thank you. I was like, I don't remember this being in a desert town. And then I was like, wait, it's a dream. Yeah. yeah. The sky goes dark, lightning flashes uh, with thunder, and Freddy is driving the bus. Oh, it is. I really appreciate how it's just straight into it. Yeah. <laughs> Fully into the dreams. Fucking love it. Bob got his scene of Freddy driving. What do you mean? Do you remember when we la- last episode we talked about oh. the fact that he should be driving the car? Bob wanted Freddie driving the car at the end. So yeah. he had him driving the bus. So he had him driving the bus. I love that. Because Bob's never going to let a good idea go away. I love that. <laughs> what I love is they tap into like such real nightmares. Like that Kids nightmare. Kids have nightmares about the bus all the time. But like nightmares of like something being someone in control of something and you're like yelling at them and they won't do anything. Or like you're sitting there and you can't voice anything but people are talking about you. Like those yeah. real nightmares that you have. So the, the bus crashes through the, the brush of the desert at speed and the kids are getting thrown around. It stops and then the ground beneath them crumbles and begins to fall away. Is there a bunch of model shots? Yes, we're going to talk but, about but, it. But before the things fall away, is that also a model, the no. bus, or is that just like sped up motion? It's just sped up. It's undercranked. But it's undercranked Thank you, undercranked. Footage. I forgot the word. Yeah. yeah. And then from the script, in moments, the bus is stranded on a narrow tip of a towering ridge of crumbling stone. I love how fucking medieval they went with this. (laughs) The bus teeters precariously, tasting the smoky abyss in every direction. So this is a model and matte painting work. It's really fun. Instantly you can feel the increase in budget in this movie. Yeah. This movie had about a million one extra dollars to play with. A million one. (laughs) (laughs) That's specific. One point one. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, a million one. Million one sounds more specific than one point one. One okay, one million and one dollar <laughs> yeah. extra. Yeah. So um, this movie was made for three million dollars after the first movie was made for around one point eight. Freddie taunts the three kids, dragging his glove over the seats as he walks towards their end of the bus, unbalancing it. And then as he raises his claw to strike, we cut to Jesse's mum cutting a tomato in the kitchen. <laughs> From upstairs, Jesse wakes up screaming. <laughs> Such and, a then, good and then one of the best lines. Oh, yeah. Why can't Jesse wake up like everybody else? Yeah. Mommy, why can't Jesse wake up like everybody else? <laughs> it's like, did he wake up like this before they moved into this house? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure. Seems um, like a think, common occurrence. I think must have happened before for that to be her reaction. Yeah. Though it, they might, it might have just happened since they've moved here and it's been multiple days in a row that they've yeah. woken up to the teenage boy screaming. Yeah. Also, with... He, I love the little sister though. She's yeah, fantastic. She is really fucking good. I, I kind she, of wish there was more she had of her. More to do, yeah. yeah. Yeah, true. Or like if she was just like had a scene where she was just like bratty and they got to like interact with each other, you know? Yeah. Yeah. In his bedroom, shirtless, Jesse is covered in sweat, surrounded by unpacked boxes. He stands and adjusts himself in his tidy whiteies. Oh, he fucking heavily adjusts himself. That yeah, was not good, stage adjusting. That's <laughs> a good grip. Yeah. Um <laughs> 
So this is the confusing part for me. I was like, who the fuck's this guy? Yeah. This is where I was like, this yeah, guy's like doesn't... sweaty and ripped. Why am I turned on? Do I need to start this movie again? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> also, it's something to do with his hair he, and the fact that he's shirtless, but like the, he just doesn't look like the same kid from the- Well, yeah, he's well built. Well, in the dream, at the beginning, that's his self-image of himself. Yeah. 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 I, I, I get it, but I fully was confused. Fully was sure. confused and started that, started it again. Down says his dad is on him about unpacking because they've just moved in, but Jesse hasn't unpacked his room yet. Jesse's dad is the one and only clue Gulliger. I don't know him, but he plays the perfect 80s dad. He is. We saw him very briefly in The Hidden. He was Lieutenant Flynn in The, in uh, the Hidden. Ah, right. So he only has a couple of lines in that, but Jack Shoulder, same director, right? Yep. He had started as a cowboy TV show actor yeah, in the I can 1950s. See that. And in the 80s, much like John Saxon, Nancy's father from the first movie, yeah. he had success in horror as an older actor. He worked until 2019 and passed away only last year in 2022. Do you reckon that's because cowboys and horror movies share a good dose of camp? No, it's because that's what the jobs were. Oh, okay. In the 1950s, everybody works on cowboy TV shows because there was dozens of cowboy yeah, TV shows. Yeah, right, okay. In the 1980s, there was lots of horror movies. Yeah, okay. If you're a working actor, that's, that's, where, you, you that's where you go. Cool, cool, right? cool. His last credit is actually the Screen Queen doco about uh, Mark awesome. Patton. And then his his last film credit, well, I mentioned this last time, was um, he's a bookseller in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the Tarantino movie. Ah, Okay. Angela is trying to get a prize out of her cereal box of Fu Manchus. Thank you. I was going to mention it before, but it, it, we directly address it right now. Was that a fucking thing, Ken? No. Oh, well, Fu Manchu is a, is a long-running character from serial movies. Oh, uh, yeah, right, right, okay. And then, so they're just making a joke, and it's also a character that has long, t- typically long has long nails. fingernails. Yeah. Right? But there wasn't really breakfast cereal. Called Fu Manchus? No, that's no. made up for the movie. Okay. Yes. We don't know. Mm. America has a lot of weird cereals that we don't have over here. Yeah. That is true. Jesse I always complains. wanted to try Lucky Charms. <laughs> I kind of do. Silly rabbit. Tricks are for kids. Mm-hmm. Okay. Jesse complains about how hot it is up in his room. He's having trouble sleeping, uh, but his dad is like, oh, I'm going to fix the air conditioning myself. Yeah. We don't need to get a guy. Yeah. <laughs> I can do it. You're clearly an office man, but like, okay. The prize in the cereal is Fu Man Fingers, and they are very long- Nails like Freddy's cloth. Yeah. Now, was anyone else from like the world go, like trying to remember your first times watching this, <laughs> from like world go just looking for red and green stripes? No, not really. I was because like that's th- partially the meme that I've been like taught. It's like, you, like you'll know if you're in the dreamscape if you see like red and green stripes. Yeah, that's not really true though. <laughs> yeah, I'm learning that yeah. from this movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. was there red and green stripes? Just in because the scene? there was a lot of red and green and stripes used later. That's just because but of yeah. that time that groundskeeper Willie turned into. You'll pay for this with your children's blood. All right, how are you gonna get them? Skeleton power? I'll strike where you cannot protect them. In their yeah. <laughs> the doorbell rings. It's Lisa. Who's Lisa? <laughs> She's come to get a ride to school from him in the deadly dinosaur. He's blue convertible. Yeah. Every teen in an 80s movie drives a convertible. That is true. I know. How do, how are they getting this my oh, it's the 80s and they're white? I get it. And also, there's, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's and, a movie. And you should you put kids <laughs> in a convertible so that when you're 
shooting, you can see them. Oh, yeah. It's easier yeah, to shoot. Convertibles aren't that easy to get your hands on, man. <laughs> <laughs> he starts the car without a key. He just hot wires his own car. He's yeah, like, I love that. I think he's like rigged it to the radio, so he just yeah. pushes the button on the radio and the car starts. Is it that easy to get to the the part of the car that you can hotwire? Because it seems like in movies when they do it, they get to it too easily. Whenever my mechanics ever had to like pull my steering wheel apart or whatever, it always seems a lot more difficult. I feel like it's a process, but you, there's a lot of things in cars that like clip in. They're yeah. not really like screwed in or anything Think like that. Think about Don McKellar in last night. There's some wires under here. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You do his voice so good. Okay. <laughs> Just the intonation that you delivered that line. It's exactly how he says it. Okay. There's some wires under there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they make an interesting choice here. They don't show us the front of the house. They shoot everything in slightly longer lenses. Yeah. We don't see that that's the So house, that they can the reveal it later. Did you figure out it was the house straight away? When did it dawn on you that it was the house? Because I don't know. Because I hide that. Did you tell me last pod? No. No. I think I just assumed. Mm. That's weird. As soon as they're at the front door with Lisa, the tree outside. Okay, the tree. Yeah, with the ivy all over it. Right, okay. Yeah. Interesting, yeah. Because that's the real location. Yeah. They're still using the real the real house. Yeah. I just assumed because of that. But they, the way that they shoot it, you don't see the whole front of the house. Okay. You only see pieces of it. Interesting. It's not on purpose. In the script, script uh, there is a scene that's not in the movie. Jesse's dad in the backyard pool. Apparently the house has a pool. He's talking to <laughs> Jesse's yeah. mom about how much they love their new house. And Jesse's mom says, I'd be a lot happy when you finish taking down those bars. And then the camera zooms in to reveal the bars on the upper windows and in the screenplay it says this is the old Thompson house replete with the security paraphernalia that kept Nancy Thompson a prisoner five years prior. That flew straight over my head. Yep. Well I mean that scene wasn't in it. <laughs> oh didn't she say take off the bars? Was that not in the that movie? That comes later. Okay yeah. Well later he is taking them off. He is taking them off. they never make right. any mention of it. Aha uh-huh, sorry. Yeah. So at school, Jesse is playing baseball under the supervision of Coach Snyder. Up to bat is Grady. I told you that uh, Springwood slash Venice is Daggers territory. Yeah. Robert Russler, Hook from Thrashing. <laughs> is that Brady? Uh, Grady, yeah. Grady, Grady. Grady is Hook from Thrashing. I fucking thought I loved that man for some reason. I was like, why do I fucking love... Just like the whole movie, I'm like, I'm about this guy for yeah. some reason. You remember last episode where I made the joke about Venice being Daggers territory? Right. Payoff. Yep. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. I believe you said set up in last episode. I didn't say set up about didn't that. Didn't you not? I just said set up about several other things. He may okay. have said that it with his eyes. Okay. That, that wasn't it. <laughs> he was communicating to me. But yeah, Robert, Robert Russell. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. He's got a great look about him. He does. Lisa is watching as she's taking uh, archery. They're doing archery. American fucking schools, man. The archery, the fucking fields that they're on, the fucking food that they got at lunch in this movie. I want to go to a fucking American school. I mean, I don't. I di- there's a lot of other reasons why I don't. But, yeah. like, it's luxury, man. Also, it would be weird because you're in your 30s. Yeah. yeah. But I've never been kissed, Kim. <laughs> Lisa asks That's Kerry. That's just so not true, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Lisa's friend, Kerry, asks Lisa if she's getting any yet, which is a reversal of the typical yeah, guys I do like checking that. out a girl, right? Because that's what this movie is about. There's a lot of reversals. Jesse is her ride to school, which why is 
Jesse her ride to school because this has never made sense to me for a couple of reasons. One is we're going to find out that she's a rich kid. She doesn't have her own car. Yeah. Do they not live close to each other? I don't think so. There's B, no spatial mention no, no, no. of that. Yeah. B, Jesse is new in town. How did she get to school last week? <laughs> and C, why doesn't he pick her up from her house? Yeah. She walks to his house? Yeah. And then they go to school together? It's super weird. It's, very, it's one of those things where it's like, of all the things that don't make sense in this movie, that's the thing that bothers me. I'm like, how's this working? <laughs> Grady hits a blooper into Shiloh left. Sorry? Hits a blooper? A blooper, yeah. What's that? that the, way he, the, the way that he hits the ball, it bloops. Stop knowing too much about everything. No, Brady hits a blooper into Shiloh left, and uh, at second base, Jesse gets distracted and gets beamed in the head. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like... When you're looking at girls, that stuff happens. Yeah. yeah. No, the thing that upsets me is that it feels like that ball really should have been covered by the shortstop. <laughs> Grady scores a double. The next pitch is a hit, but Grady's caught in a rundown between second and third after he tags up on a caught ball again into shallow left. Uh, why did he run? I don't that know. Ball, that ball, there's no reason for him to have run. He should have stayed on second base. He's bad at baseball or softball, either way. Also, can't they just, like, <laughs> run towards him? Kira's <laughs> just like... <laughs> You're in your element. Baseball pod. (laughs) Oh, dear. But, like, I don't know the rules. Can't they just run towards him with the ball? You have to tag him. Yeah, so can't they just run at him? Why are they throwing it back and forth? To stop him from going the other other, way. The other way. Right, okay. Even I knew that, and I am actively trying to not learn about baseball. I actively try not to learn anything about any sport. I love baseball. My <laughs> beloved Dodgers were just swept in three by the fucking Diamondbacks. It's beautiful. Jesse tags him out a second, and Grady retaliates by pulling down Jesse's pants, exposing his ass and his jock strap. What an ass. Carries into it. She's yep. like cheering. What an ass. They wrestle, and Coach Snyder breaks it up by telling them to assume the position. He makes them. So much subtext. Yeah. So much subtext. What, what subtext? There is only yeah. text. <laughs> this movie it's has so no true. subtext. It's all just that. This, all, this so movie true, is all text. Isn't it, guys? You're right. He makes them hold in a push up position in the sun. Yeah. In the script, it's meant to be for hours. It's meant to be like dark when they when they are told to hit the showers. Why have you not told me who the fuck Coach Snyder is already? Oh, Coach. Well, because I was going to save it for his big moment. Okay, 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 okay. Cool. Coach Snyder is played by Marshall Bell, okay. who's in tons of stuff. He's in a million different, a million different things. There's one specifically thi- thing where he's losing his shit. Well, he's in Starship Troopers. <gasps> oh, you broke my. You broke my brain. Yeah, I thought you would have already made that. Oh made that no, I didn't. Oh yeah, my he's god, he's the guy that loses his mind, and he's the, the they they yeah. eat your brains. They take they suck your brains out, man. Yeah, <laughs> I fucking love that. Muscle yes. is great. He's in he's in lots of things. In Total Recall, the Schwarzenegger movie. Oh yeah, yeah. He's um, oh, fuck. He is in lots of shit. Yeah, Stand by Me, Twins, uh, Starship Troopers. Oh, yeah, amazing. He's a cop in Michael Mann's Manhunter. He's always been one of those. Guys who looks like a real manly man but plays weird parts that like yeah yeah he's I love a character that. he's a, like the definition of a character actor he's yeah. still working he's still still in stuff legend absolutely so, legend. yeah uh, Marshall Bell rules I was gonna talk about him later for his yeah, big scene but yeah. it's fun Jesse and Grady make friends in their mutual hatred of of Snyder I love this yeah the, the way that they make friends this. yeah one of my best friends. We became friends after after we were playing soccer and uh, I tackled him and then he tackled me and then we wrestled and then afterwards we were mates. 100%. I love that. I love that schoolyard relationship where it's like, fuck you. No, fuck you. And it's like, nah, you're not that bad. Grady tells him that... Uh, Guy gets his rocks off like this. 
Hangs around queer S&M joints downtown. He likes pretty boys like you. Get out of here. Oh, I missed that line. Not subtext, just text. Just text. Grady asks. So what about you and that rich baby been cruising to school with every day? What about her? Are you mounting her nightly or what? Look, Grady, you got some problem with me. No, bro. Just killing time. <laughs> and then Snyder tells him <laughs> so to hit, hit the showers. So fucking dumb. So as they're getting dressed in the locker room, Grady's like, so you live around here? So you live around here or what? Yeah, my parents just bought a place on Elm Street. Elm Street? You tell me you moved into that big white house with the bars in the window? Yeah, what about it? Shit, you can tell your old man he's a real chump. What are you talking about now, Grady? Some chick was locked in there by her mother and she went crazy. She watched her boyfriend get butchered across the street by some maniac. You're full of shit, Grady. In the script, there's more to this. Grady says, her poor drunken mama took her own life right inside your front door. Whoa. I think he makes mention of that later. He says something later, but he's yeah. told this by, by Grady. Yeah. yeah. So I wonder that's whether, right. I wonder whether Johnny Depp's parents still live in that house across the street, or whether they moved to. No, I think they probably moved to one. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and I think the dad's standing out front drinking beers <laughs> yeah. with his weird accent. <laughs> <laughs> that night, we see the house properly for the first time. We get a dolly shot across the trees where yeah. we see the, the whole house. What colour is the front door? It's red. red. Not blue. As, and as it will be for the rest of the series. There's something about a red door, guys. Added to the iconography. Is there? Is there something about a red door? There is something Did they about break a red the door, door to get into the house to save Nancy? No, they break the window. Ah. Uh. Yeah. And also her mum is pulled through the blue door at the end of the movie. Yeah, but that's like a weird dream thingy. Oh, no, no, that happened. <laughs> She's fucking slammed through that wi- that window in yeah. the door. Well, you know, she turned into a blob doll first. Yes, she did. <laughs> so, the, so the red door, there's two things that this movie does that build into the ongoing continuity of the series, and this is one of them. It's almost one of the only things that the, the series takes forward. The red door? The red door. Oh. As in the, the red door, the door doesn't iconic. go blue in the next movie. It stays red. Right, okay. Yeah. yeah. Is Can I just ask, because I don't really know the law very well, is it kind of like every, like Freddy goes on a spree and kills people, but then the person he was like haunting gets kind of trapped in his dreamscape forever? Is that kind of the ongoing thing? No. And that's why they go crazy? No. No, okay. Just wait until you've seen a few more. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> From the script, it's very late. The house is dark and even the crickets have hit the sack. Cheskin thinks he's clever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was having read Craven's screenplay and the David Cheskin's screenplays within a short time yeah. amount of time to each other. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I still remember the fucking, um, what was it? The... Uh, there's something of blood from last script. Irrigation. The irrigation of blood. Yeah. Fuck, that's beautiful. No, Craven's, Craven's script screenplay is written beautifully and, it's like and this, Chaskin thinks he's clever. It's, it's like, like this <laughs> purposeful <laughs> use of obtuse words to make even the reading of the sentence a little bit mm-hmm. more difficult. Ah, it's so descriptive though. But not trying too hard. Yeah. No, exactly. There's an elegance to it. Jesse's having trouble sleeping. He turns over onto different sides and punches his pillow a couple of times, stares into space and finally sits up. He gets out of bed, pulls on a pair of pants and exits. In the kitchen, he opens a, the fridge and a jar slips out and smashes onto the ground. We see it just as Jesse does. A grotesque face has been peering into the window all this time. It disappears from view. Jesse stops for a moment to slow down his heart. He takes a deep breath and steps to the back door, opening it. 
So he, Why the fuck go look, man? I know, right? People in horror movies. <clears throat> yeah, so he ends up around the side of the house and peering into a basement window, and he watches as Freddy pulls something wrapped in rags out of mm. the raging furnace. And then back inside the house, he goes to the cellar door and watches down the stairs as a shadow moves like it's going to come upstairs. He calls for his father and holds the door closed as whoever it is on the other side starts pulling on it. When he moves to run upstairs to get his father, surprise, Freddy is like is right there. Yeah, choke slams him. He pulls Jesse close and circles Jesse's mouth with his blades. Mm. Angler, during shooting of this scene, admits that he was playing with oral. Yeah. He's playing with the iconography of oral sex. He even asked Mark Patton if he could slip a finger into Jesse's mouth. Yeah. And Jesse, Mark Patton agreed to do it, and then a makeup artist grabbed Mark Patton and was like, I need to touch up his makeup, dragged him to the side and said, do not let him do that. It will look like you are blowing him. And Mark Patton was like, fuck. Interesting. Fuck the kindness of strangers, right? Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. So shit they had to deal with. Should England have not done what he did with the way he played this in no, terms he's of an what? No, he's an actor reading the text and then interpreting the text. Yeah. Because it is in the text. And he didn't know he was going to be hung out to dry. Well, j- just based on what Cam was saying about how that's just what the world was True. like at the time. Yeah. But you're also, like, you're insular and you're yeah. just playing with the text. <sighs> the writer, what I mean, was maybe the writer again? The, David, David Chaskin. Chaskin. He's I mean, if everybody just been, through some shit, man. Everybody's just been honest with each other. Like, that's the thing is, like, it's clear that this was a very stressed production because they were trying to make it so quickly mm. that clearly people weren't talking to each other. Apparently tension was quite high on set. There was a lot of, like, Robert Englund remembers just being, like, screaming at Jack Shoulder really? to, like, shut the fuck up and let him do the same. Like, there was a lot of – it was not a great working environment is what I gather from people having talked wow. about it. Not I never a- picture actors yelling at directors, but the more I see of like clips of people, of big actors like on set, it must be a really common occurrence. Yeah, especially when you're doing things that are so technically difficult as making a horror movie, right? There's all yeah, the effects. Yeah, right. Like, there's like waiting for smoke to be right or whatever, and then effect doesn't work the first time, and you've got to yeah. reset. And he, Robert Englund's in this makeup. He might be in his like 16th hour in this fucking makeup. Yeah. Right? Like, there's stories of him on the first movie they would call, like, they would wrap the day and England would just start tearing the makeup off himself. Yeah, and there would fuck. be assistants, there would be assistants um, following behind him, picking up the picking up the, the pieces of the makeup because he was just so sick of fucking being in it. He was fuck. ripping the glue off his, off his face. That's yeah. fascinating. You, you'd think that, like, he wouldn't come back for seven. You know what I mean? So, there's seven of them, right? Yeah, but... Yeah. I mean, the money's good. And yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Made him famous. Yeah, true. Freddie speaks more in the scene than he does in most of the, almost the whole first movie. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Cheskin says that he, when he looked at other slashes, Michael, Jason, or whoever, they're all silent. So he wanted to take advantage of the fact that Freddie talks. Such a good to choice. Try to make him scarier. Such a good choice. That, that differentiation of Freddie, I think, is kept him alive compared yeah. to other. So Freddie tells Jesse. Freddie tells Jesse. got special work to do here, you and me. You've got the body. I've got the brain. 
from the script, Freddy removes his hat. There is no skull under there. It's just a pulsating mass of brain matter. So it's an agonized scream. So in the movie, that's actually not what happens. What happens is that Freddy takes off his hat mm. and rips his skin mm. and, yeah. his, his, and shows his brain. His brain, the way his brain is like pulsing. It was such like a such good so effects good. work. So good. And I fucking immediately, there was no question in my mind. I was like, fucking love this left turn. Yeah. So Jesse yeah. wakes up screaming again, which is that happens a lot in this movie. And then his parents rush in. The scream, we're going to talk about the scream because the scream is very feminine. I can see that. And that is one of the things that Chaskin has said about Mark Patton is that Chaskin's line is, I didn't write in the screenplay that he screams like a woman. I don't think that's overt. I think, I mean, Patton for the most part, is very masculine, but dips into that androgynous zone. I think I, I think it works so well. It. I actually love his. Love I think his it's screen. one of the reasons why it works so. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. The scream is the best, like the best scream for this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. And that's just what a scream is. Even when when guys scream, they do go high pitched. Mm. Yeah, that's what a scream is. Yeah, you can yell, you can holler. I, th- I think, but if you scream. You go high pitch. I think there's like this like place between like you would have it like lower in your throat and higher in your throat depending on like what kind of scream that you'd be doing and it's Mm. almost like it's sitting right in the middle. There are a couple that are very high though. Are there? Okay. Absolutely. Okay. I'm not saying any of this to, by the way, I'm not saying any of this to like pass judgment on my No, of course. I'm more just like one of the things I'm doing here is is giving you all of the sides. I have how I feel about it. It's a super (laughs) interesting thing to discuss because like- Mm. How do we hear that screaming as an, as an audience member? Yeah. And like, what what did that do to us in like subconsciously about that character? I love shit. Like, I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, makeup for, for Freddy now because it is different in this movie. David Miller, who did the first movie, passed over the makeup to Kevin Yeager with the rest of the special effects uh, transformations being built by Mark Showstrom, who had also worked on the first movie. Yeager is a legend. He worked on all three Bill and Ted movies. The first three Child's Play movies. Amazing. Those ones have got the best looking Chucky. He worked on The Hidden uh, Trick or Treat, which is a cult horror movie that is definitely on the list. He worked on one of the I Friday. Like I've th- seen that. One of the Friday the 13th. No, you haven't. Trick um, or Treat. Okay. You've not seen it. If you, you would know what it was. Okay. Uh, the Phantom of the Opera movie that also has Robert England in it. Uh-huh. That we saw the trailer for. He designed The Crypt Keeper. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. That looks fucking amazing. Yeah. That that uh, Phantom of the Opera yeah, movie. Yeah, we saw yeah. the trailer. Yeah. He worked on Starship Troopers. Oh, uh, yeah. Face Off, Mission Impossible 2, Sleepy Hollow, and he is still and he's still working so it sounds like he's the fucking goat yeah he's a really like he's very famous okay if you're into makeup effects kevin yeager's one of the guys right okay so yeager had a hard time figuring out how to recreate the makeup the first production was so low budget that they didn't really do any record keeping of how the Mm. makeup was built that's right he gets less gooey doesn't he he gets less gooey. Jaeger also adds more bone. So he adds more like ah. skull features and cheekbone. And he also made the decision to change the color of Freddy's eyes from Robert Englund's real eyes to putting red demon-like contacts into it. They were very noticeable in this film. He was sick with the series through to part four and also uh, Freddy's Nightmares. Ah. Yes. What are Freddy's nightmares? You're going to have to wait to find out. (laughs) Mark Sostrom, who did the transformation effects, is also a legend. He worked on David Cronenberg's Videodrome. He also works on Nightmare 3, Evil Dead 2, John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness. Yeah, right. Amazing. Uh, Dick Tracy. Yeah. Best of the best, too. Okay. (laughs) Right? It was just like, okay, that's random. Uh, He also worked on X-Files, Buffy, and Charmed. 
nice. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Also, and, um, the goat. And on music videos for the Ramones and uh, Nine Inch Nails. Dope. Which is really cool. In biology class, Jesse is falling asleep because he's not getting a lot of sleep. The teacher is not talking about something that's thematically relevant. No. They're talking about how waste is <laughs> moved through the human body because yeah, it's biology. Yeah, it was class. a fucking interesting choice to have that as the topic. It's so that, like, you can have Grady being the misfit and laughing and, like, making fart noises and stuff. Right, right? okay. And once Jesse is asleep, there is a snake around him. It's a fake out anyway. So yeah. Grady has put the class snake around Jesse's... First of all, that is a... Terrifying prank, but also fucking great in the film. That yeah. is such a great fake out. It plays, yeah, it plays like a dream. But well, because we've had that sequence in the previous yeah. movie, right? So it's playing with your expectation. And I love how he just like flips him off, like you got me. Yeah, and also they're like best their, friends. Part now. of them being friends again. Yeah. Also the the um the how personally the teacher takes it. You're messing with my snake. Yeah. <laughs> Always but makes I, me laugh. I love how like Grady the whole time is like looking for his friend to like react to this thing. And mm. you're like, what's going on here? And then he starts dreaming. You're like, oh, okay, so that was nothing. And it's like, no, it was something great. He was pranking him the whole time. Yeah. Lisa is swimming in her backyard Olympic size swimming pool. Yep. It's not quite What Olympic the fuck size. is this guy's, th- her place? Yeah, it's huge. Her place, the size of the pool area is the floor space of my fucking house. Oh no, it's bigger than my house. Yeah. <laughs> the fucking yard is like, Three times yeah, the floor space of my fucking rich? house. So why doesn't she have a car? Why does she need a lift to school? Because yeah. there's a pretty boy with a car. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe she secretly does have a car. She just hasn't told him. Yeah. yeah. Her mum lets her know that Jesse's on the phone. She gets out and uses a wireless handset, which again, super rich for 85. <laughs> and also the distance. I don't think that thing works from yeah. the, that, to the house. Yeah. No. Yeah. He is leaving his house to go for a swim at her place, but his dad is like, no, nah, back upstairs. You got to unpack that room. Mm. Jesse's not feeling it. Uh, he puts on a, a tape and then here we go. <laughs> this yeah. is the infamous dancing sequence. Also a bone of contention between Chaskin and Patton. Patton's like, everything that I do is in the fucking screenplay. Yeah. Some of it is, some of it isn't. I think we can all blame Tom Cruise. <laughs> For the, yep. what, a risky business This is the thing. year after risky business. Right, okay. So they, where he dances in his underwear. Yeah. Which is the iconic part of that movie, which yeah. makes no sense because it's not, the. it's like such a tiny part of that movie. That yeah. movie rules. And it's not about Tom Cruise dancing in his underwear. Cheskin claims, of course, that Patton made the dance super gay. I didn't even feel like, like for things in this movie, that wasn't a, like. It's a, pretty, the dance is pretty lame. Yeah, it's right. pretty lame, lame, but it's not gay. You know, I wouldn't characterize it as gay. The, the thing that makes it feel gay is the way it's shot, not the yeah. what he's actually doing. So interesting. Why do you say what that? he's actually doing is just lame dancing in your yeah. embarrassing dancing in your bedroom. But close ups of his butt and Oh yeah. His butt closing the, the drawer. Closing the drawer and stuff like that. Fair point. That but then he does pick up like the, the, the popper thing and use it like a dick and wave it around. Yeah, but like that's like just that the guy just thing to do. Stuff. Yeah. yeah. Again, I think it's the camera angles and things yeah, as opposed to I think if on. it was shot different mm. it would just be boy dancers embarrassingly in his bedroom yeah. you wouldn't want a girl walking in on you yeah. yeah you don't dance like that when you think someone's watching you i mean yeah. i have no choice about whether or not i dance like unless that. you're Brody. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, no yeah so again 
Chaskin claims it's Patton. Patton says he's just doing what's in the script. And Jack Shoulder's like, I don't know. I, he was just doing whatever he wanted. <laughs> Jack Shoulder's like, I wasn't even there most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> it's all he said, he said. Yeah. The whole fucking thing is he said, he said. So ridiculous. And of course, Lisa and his mum walk in. I love Lisa. She's just like such an understanding character, like to a massive yeah. fault. Mm. But like... So understanding straight off the bat. She really is. She's yeah. uh, there, there seems to be a lot more backstory with these characters yeah. that we don't know about in terms of their <laughs> yeah. attachment to each other. Yeah, I mean, it's the only thing that's kind of strange about it is like... Maybe uh, they like, knew each other before he moved here. They were no. pen pals. No. Maybe they no. were pen pals. Okay, maybe they're distant cousins. <laughs> Lisa helps him unpack and in the closet she finds a diary. Oh, yeah. Nancy Thompson, 1428 Elm Street. She starts that's reading... That's here. she starts reading and we find out the diary is five years old it's before lisa's time in the script the diary entry that she reads in the movie is actually the third one she reads two before that one is when nancy first gets the diary and it's about finding out that her parents are breaking up yeah and then the second one is about how she's not sure if she can sleep with glenn because she doesn't love him Mm. which is interesting yeah because it's like retconning yeah, things. But in the movie, the entry that she reads first is Sometimes when I'm lying here in bed, I can see Glenn in his window across the way getting ready for bed. His body is slim and smooth, and I know I shouldn't watch him, but that part of me that wants him forces me to. That's when I weaken. That's when I want to go to him. Jesse taking over reads March 15th. He comes to me at night. Horrible, ugly, mm. dirty, under the sheets with me, tearing at my nightgown <laughs> with his steel claws. His name is Fred, and he keeps trying to take me to the boiler room. He wants to kill me. I love how fucking sexy that is. Well, like, not sexy, sexy, but, like, you yeah. know what I mean? Well, it's, it starts sexy and then it gets real weird. Mm. It's, but it, it's like that, um, that sexual repression sexiness, you know what I mean? I mean Where it's like then coming to terms with like these disgusting things that are happening with our body, but ooh, I like them. Well, that's what this whole movie is. Yeah, I get it, I get it. But it's just so, uh, it's well written. His name is Fred and he keeps trying to take me to the boiler room. He <laughs> wants to kill me. I wish the gay club was called a, the, boiler the boiler room. room. <laughs> yeah, I missed a, missed a they they, really did. Yeah. They're disturbed, but they keep reading. Tina is dead. Yeah. Lisa asks if Jesse is okay. And his response is, It's just something that Grady said to me about the girl that used to live here, how she went crazy when she saw her boyfriend get murdered across the street. In the script, the bird scene is next. Oh, okay. There is some massive juggling of scenes that happened, I think probably in in post-production. Okay. But instead, what we get is... That night, Jesse is awoken by the heat in his room. Yeah. Turns on the, his lamp and it's melted. We see a record melt on his yeah. wardrobe, uh, as does a very girthy candle. We also see... Um, I can't another girthy Yeah, candle. sorry. I was already talking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Agreed. How did they go about melting the uh, record? Because was the room really hot? Because I feel bad for the cameraman. Yeah. Or, <laughs> or did they use some sort of a blowtorch situation? It's or? either there's probably like heat guns pointed at it from out of screen, but they also might have rigged the the 
the top of the wardrobe to actually be like a hot plate. Okay. Oh. Yeah, like but make it look wood, like look wooden. I um, just assumed they made like remade those probably, props out of wax. Yeah, and, the, and that, well, that's well, records are made out of wax to begin with. Oh, yeah. yeah, but um, <laughs> but yes, they would have probably used a softer wax so it would mm. melt easier. Jesse goes downstairs and uh, to the cellar, and from the screenplay, it's just as he saw it in his dream, but devoid of any intruders. He steps up to the furnace, squats down and opens the firebox door, reaching in. To his horror, he feels something and pulls out an object wrapped in rags. On the object, as he unwraps it, old beet leather glove with a row of rusty knife blades protruding from the fingers. Suddenly, the furnace switches on with a roar. Flames are leaping out of the firebox. is confusing for me and oh, it's not really confusing but what I like the imagery that I keep getting wrong is what do the blades on the fingers look like because I feel like in the last movie they looked like just like kitchen knives on the tips of the fingers on the cover of this they're like claws and in this they're like tiny little claws that look really sharp well it changes all the time all the time uh, so right the, the first movie they it's fairly because it's a low budget movie it's just they're yeah, built sure. in a very particular way. Sure, sure, sure. They rebuild the glove for the for this movie. As they rebuild the glove over time, the claws get longer or shorter. And then also in this sure. movie, Freddy doesn't have a glove for portions of it. Oh yeah, it's just coming out of his fingertips. Yeah, so yeah. it also changes the changes the whole time. Yeah, right. Okay, it's never consistent. It's always because it's always different directors. So different directors interpret the imagery and the iconography different. Yeah, and cool, make the cool. glove bigger or, or or smaller or whatever. So, in this scene, are they in the dreamscape and then he ends up bringing the glove out with him? This or? is where this movie is so fucking confusing, right? My read is that Jesse is sleepwalking through most of this movie. Mm. He is both right. awake and asleep, and so that's why. He's so he's really going out. to he's really going to the cellar and retrieving the real glove, but Freddie is talking to him because he is asleep. And Freddie is in the process of possessing. Yeah, possessing so I that. read it the same way, except for that I read that the hit that there wouldn't have actually been the glove in the furnace in a, in real life that he was pulling that out of the dream. Maybe, yeah, it could be because where the glove? Because as it wasn't, wouldn't be there. Where anymore. did the glove end up? Yeah, yeah. Why would they put it back in the? Oh, <laughs> but again, right. like the logic of these movies. Yeah, you know how. Squirrely, the logic. Yeah, oh, especially but you the try to of, make it make sense. Especially in your brain. the logic of the boiler room in this furnace. Get as yeah, things, as I mean that. On. Yeah, yeah, and we'll talk about that once we get to it. There's a scene missing here in the script. Jesse and Lisa talk in his car as they're driving. He shows her the glove in the screenplay. Oh, oh. right, and right, right. she is like, "The dream told you where to find it." See, if they kept that in, it would have made her her reaction at the end of this movie make a bit more sense because then she would have been more in on what was going on yeah. before in she the, just accepts it. In the, <laughs> in the screenplay, and this kind of happens in the movie a little bit where she kind of has done a little bit of research and she gives him yeah. some exposition. Yeah. She takes a much more active role. She's like, I went to the library and I found all, the, all this stuff. So there's, But all that stuff gets cut down into essentially what's 
one ADR line. Yeah. Which I will I'll highlight when we get when yeah. we get when we get to it. I think yeah. although that Thank might make sense in the movie, in the sense of the real world, her being so accepting and then taking an active role seems crazy. Well, she also has um there's also a change that is in the movie to the screenplay and feels like it was cut out is that she is way more into like him picking up on the vibes and the energy of a place okay. and her being a little like, uh, who being a little, yeah, a little like you, maybe you're just tapping into something. So yeah. she actually believes him more in the screenplay. Yeah. And what I think that when they were then editing the movie, they all, while they were shooting the movie, they decided to make her a little bit more skeptical of what's happening. Yeah. So and she still believes him a lot, but like, it's not like too fanatical. She, levels. she goes from in the screenplay. She goes from, uh, you're tapping into this thing. I believe you, it's the energy you can you can yeah trying to make sense of it to to this is all happening in your head yeah yeah which yeah. is two very different yeah. approaches and, yeah but the way she behaves at the end of the movie makes more sense with the way it's written in the script yeah there is there is dialogue that's cut out about about like the idea of the idea from the first movie of like taking back the energy that you gave Freddie that doesn't make it into the it's very, a very, very well it into the feeling fun. that when she started to tap into that towards the end, I, I felt like that's a very it thing. Mm. So the scene that we get in the movie is a continuation of that conversation that was, that was cut out in the outdoor hallway. They built a whole new school, huh? <laughs> huh? They built a whole new school. That's not the same school as the first movie. I didn't even notice. There is zero <laughs> effort to match the look and feel. Fuck, of that stuff just does not even hit my brain. Oh, what about the layout of the house? The house is laid out completely differently. There's that stairs in notice. front of the front door and that's all that I needed to tick off. That's the part that they keep. But yeah. the, the, even the, where the door is in Jesse's room, which is meant to be Nancy's room, it's yeah. in the wrong spot. Ah, oh, fuck. Nah, did not even pick that at all. Yep. Oh, get used to it because it, uh, it just keeps happening. <laughs> By the way, this high school, it's the same high school from the first Karate Kid movie. <laughs> it's the same location. That outdoor hallway is used is in the in the first Karate Kid movie. Right. Yep. I swear every time I try and picture the Karate Kid movie, it's just the just bonfire. I just see bonfires on the beach. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Lisa thinks that his dreams might be premonitions, but before they can talk too much, Carrie interrupts them and we find out that Lisa is throwing her annual pool party. And that last year her dad took over as DJ and played Benny Goodman records all night. I have a theory. She's she's so suspect. Her friend, what's her name? Kerry. Kerry. Kerry's so suspect the whole time okay. and like pushes things to like hear me out. No. Like she I comes don't in. Hear you out. She comes in at certain moments to like stop certain chats. She eggs certain characters on to she's do certain. And then on the bus, she's way too like into the whole dreamscape and. Man, she's she, fucking Freddy. She's she's the first <laughs> possessed. She's the first possessed by Freddy, and she's on board. No, <laughs> fuck me. <laughs> you watch it again. She kisses him goodbye on the cheek, and he mm. blushes. Maybe this is more than a friendship. That was really nice, like that. In Jim, Jesse and Grady are running. Hey, Grady, you ever remember your dreams? Only the white ones. No talking. Grady fucking cracks me up, Grady's man. pretty funny. He has yeah. another line later that, that, I, that I love. Yeah. Well, a few lines that I love. Snyder's like, yeah, no talking. 
Why can't you talk while you're running? Yeah. If anything, it's better for your um, fitness. Afterwards, they get changed in the locker room and Snyder overhears them talking shit about him. Hello, dirt balls. Dirt balls. Cuts them back, so in the, bad. back in the position, back in a stress position. Jesse's mum puts a cover over their twin parakeets. This scene is horrifying. Yeah. Bad person. My immediate note was Echo. Yeah, <laughs> don't like it. Yeah, Kira has a bud. Are they the same type of bud? No. no okay. Because these are parakeets or, yeah, or parakeets. budgies or something, yeah. This is a horror film. Speaking of like a rich person thing, like having one of those prim and proper cages just on a stand in the middle of your living room, that feels like a rich thing. No, you've got like a normal cage, you know what I mean? And you've got it in a convenient Kira's spot. Got a second cage. I feel like this cage stand. is like ornate and stands yeah, ornate. in a pride of place in the room, you okay. know? Okay. <laughs> I think they've just modernized them. Yeah. <laughs> Jesse's mother complains about how hot it is. Jesse comes in. He's also like, it's so hot in here. The father goes to check the thermostat. It's 97 degrees in here. It's almost boiling temperature. That's 36 for the Celsius kids. Get fucked. That's what we call nice spring weather around here lately. Oh, no, fuck <laughs> me. It's insane. The birds start making noises. The cage shakes and Jesse pulls the cover off. One of the birds has killed the other one. It gets out, swoops everybody, takes a chunk out of the, Jesse's father's cheek. They swatted it with fuck a broom. There's a lot of business attack. here. Yeah. Before it explodes. Yeah. Just fucking spontaneously combust. Spontaneously combust. Well, it's not really spontaneous. There's a cut. <laughs> yeah. Um, the camera angles are interesting here. How it's like kind of swooping and moving down on things. It, it's a choice. Yeah. It's the kind of choice you make when uh, in the script, your parakeet was meant to turn into a, like a demon bird, but the guy in charge of it uh, that was creating it didn't really do a good job of it because he was also working on aliens at the same time. That would also <laughs> make, um, that would make the di father's disbelief. A lot more it, difficult. It was so bad that they never shot the demon parakeet and they ended up just swinging a fake bird yeah. with fishing line, the, which is why all those other shots that are like from the bird's point of view, because yeah. it looks fucking dumb. It's heavy birds feeling like it fully is like. Well, in that, movie they, in that movie, they just threw real birds at people. So. <laughs> Did they really? That's so dumb. Behind the, That's behind, so dumb. There is behind the scenes footage of Tippi Hendren just having birds like thrown at her. Oh my God. Is, like, oh no my wonder, God. No wonder she like, no wonder that she was like, Hitchcock was an abusive, tiny little man and I hate him. Oh my God. That's wild. I don't think I can ever see that movie. Okay. That's fine. You don't need to see that movie. I mean, Birds are friends and should be treated nicely. Afterwards, Jesse's dad is checking the gas lines in the kitchen because maybe Jesse's mum <laughs> smelled gas. She's like, yeah. I don't know that that's what, I, what it was. <laughs> Jesse doesn't think it's a, it's a gas leak. Maybe it's that cheap seed she keeps buying. Oh, I love that. Maybe it's a cheap seed. <laughs> the cheap seed. So fucking funny, yeah. He ends up turning on Jesse when Jesse's like, it's not the fucking gas lines. He set it up. He used a goddamn cherry bomb. How fucked up do you think your kid is to assume that he put firecrackers inside, inside of a your bird. pet birds? Yeah. Again. And that kid is so traumatized. The, the yeah, Angela the little yeah. girl. Yeah. She ain't getting over that. No, poor why poor would Angela. You? Yeah. Poor thing. Justice for Angela. Jesse again wakes up unable to sleep. In the script, they've already been to the abandoned factory before this, uh, before this happens. Right. Like there's so much that got moved. That yeah, gets it just moved gets around. all. Lightning strikes in the kitchen for some reason. And then Jesse just uh, goes outside. These are the things where I'm and like, walks right. the street in his PJs. I, I feel like those things for me, I was like, right, okay, this marks the dreamscape. But it didn't in this film. He's yeah. sleepwalking. Yeah. He ends up at Don's place. 
an SMM bar. Uh, that's an Iggy Pop song playing when he enters the bar. Uh, why? Why this bar? Yeah, just why did he wander this way and wind well, this bar? And he's sleepwalking. Why is he wanting? Why does he want a beer? He's sleepwalking. I don't know. This is it's a very strange sequence. So, in the script, it's meant to just to be a seedy bar. In the screenplay, it says a seedy bar full of pimps, uh, prostitutes, salesmen, and a couple of transvestites. That's the screenplay's words, not mine. Yeah, yeah. He goes to the bar and orders a beer, and the bartender in the leather getup. That's Bob Shay. Ah, <laughs> uh-huh, love it. That's the head of New Line. Snyder in his S and M gear, just some leather gear, and he's fucking in his PJs. Grabs Jesse's arm. In the screenplay, Coach Snyder is described as wearing a muscle shirt, a gold chain around his neck, and having a sick grin on his face. So in the screenplay, it's not an S and M bar, right? Right. At some point, somebody made the decision to make this. Way more queer. Yeah. So if it's not in the screenplay, uh, then it's got to be Jack Shoulder, right? But I mean, he's the director, you would think. But when you read the, the costume and he's got like a sickly grin, is that what he called it? A slick grin. A slick grin. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I was like, oh, is he like. No, no, no. You're right. Sick grin. No, sick grin. Yeah. A sick grin. Yeah. Mm. So, like, is that meant to. Is that imbuing the coach with some sexual malice? Yeah, I guess so. So the, the place that they shot is a known gay bar in LA. Right. Shoulder claims he didn't know it was a gay bar. He scouted it during the day. All th- like all of the the writer and the director like I think need to work on some feelings that they have on the inside. I feel like there's a lot of protecting themselves here from things that they don't want to admit. Yeah. Also, somebody told Bob Shay to go to the to go and get his own costume from the pleasure chest on Sunset, which is a bondage gear place. It was Someone Jack, it was knows Jack what's going on here. So it's just like- You can't not know that that's the scene you're shooting. Yeah. yeah. And then the denial afterwards to set up a scene like that as well was just so weird. I think they made it- ch- th- Okay, this is pure speculation. Yeah, love it. I think that the screenwriter and the director made a choice to make a movie that was about a young man who figuring out his sexuality, yeah. right, via the trauma- of a sexual predator being in being inside of him, right? Right. right. That's that's exactly how I, well, I oh, think. That, I didn't. I didn't necessarily read it as a sexual predator, but that makes sense. But that's, yeah. that yeah. makes sense. I think they made that choice and then realized what they'd done. I think they made that choice without realizing how risky making that choice was, and uh, then I think they became fucking cowards. Interesting. That seems like yeah, the most plausible. And then so they. So they. What did they do? They buried their gay. Yeah. They literally, they buried him. They literally the buried yeah. him. They, they put it all on him because he is a gay man. He's too overt. Oh, you're He's scared of gay overt. people. Oh, it's it, was, it was him, not us. We didn't Fuck. do it. That's wild. So I think that they, they made a choice and then chickened out of that fucking choice. And I think that Mark Patton paid for it with his fucking career. Wild. That's why when we watched The Hidden, I was not particularly complimentary of Jack Shoulder. Yeah, okay. Back, even back then. Yeah, yeah. And I never, and I never will be. Yeah, I think he's a fucking. I think he's a hack. I think that everything. You love to hit him. Yeah, but I think that both that movie and this movie, everything that works is not about him. I would agree with that summation, actually. Mm. Yeah, I think the technically ambitious thing is true. This has got some great technical things to yeah. it, but I don't necessarily think that's because of him. No. 
Nah. No. Snyder makes him run laps around a basketball court and then tells him to hit the shoulders. Uh, how about just telling him to fuck off? Yeah. What power has it got over you when you're not in school? Also, uh, like, can he take you to the school at night? <laughs> <laughs> Jesse showers and then Snyder is attacked by balls in his office. Yeah. <laughs> Love this. Just because it's, like, fun. Yeah, this is fun. Mm. It's a fun thing. This is fun. Yeah. And I'll... An unseen force uses skipping ropes to tie him up and then drag him into the showers. Yeah, it's got kinky real fast. Yeah, <laughs> where it ties him to the shower head, rips off his clothes, and then whips his bare ass with towels. Yeah. And then... I'm into it. <laughs> Steam, Jesse's watching the whole time. Steam envelops Jesse, and the, this is where we get Frankenstein's monster, Freddy. Yeah, shambles in. Yeah, shambling in. Uh, slashing Snyder's back and killing him. As the steam clears... Jesse is covered in blood and wearing Freddy's glove. Yeah. Which I really like that stuff. And then here is one of the very uh, feminine screams. The way that he screams is very- It's higher register. Oh, it's way higher. But also it works. It's amazing. The imagery of that is is incredible. There's a more terrifying aspect to a more feminine scream. You know what I mean? Where yeah. it's like when it's more guttural, like a lower register male scream, it's 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 a different kind of fear. Yeah, I think when you scream lower register, you're trying to you're screaming because you're scared, but you're screaming because you're scaring something else off. Like you're screaming at a bear. You're screaming at <laughs> you were gonna say that. You're gonna get a bear to go away. Yeah, I can fight a bear. Like, <laughs> like you're screaming <laughs> when you scream lower. You're screaming at something. Whereas I feel like the, that high pitched scream is kind of the scream that happens when you. Wake up from a nightmare, yeah. And when it's you aren't, of, when you so aren't, terror in it. When, yeah. you're not, when you're not trying to be cool, you're not caring about being a man screaming high pitch kind it, of thing. It's like it's it's true fear. Yeah, it's almost like a conscious fear and an unconscious fear. Like when you hit that unconscious fear, like when something surprises you and yeah. it's terrifying, it's a higher register. Yeah. yeah, where you lose kind of all control of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially with yeah. guys, like girls, when we scream, that's just where our voices are. But like yeah. when a guy screams high, it's true fear, which yeah. is why it works. Yeah, hundred percent, it works. Jesse's dropped off at home by the cops. Does this belong to you? They <laughs> found him on the highway naked. I can't believe he wasn't a suspect. Well, well yeah, they found him on the highway, not at the school. They didn't find him. Yeah, at but the isn't he still covered in blood? No, no. the no. rain because it's, oh, it's raining. Yeah, okay. and he washed himself. Yeah, his dad has two questions for him. What are you taking, son? Who are you getting it from? I'm just going to put this out there. So funny in this scene. I'm just going to put this out there. If I rocked up to my house naked, being with two cops. They're the first two, two questions, questions I would have got. Yeah. And I would have probably had answers Perfect. for him. <laughs> but I love Jesse's, Jesse's like, I'm not on drugs. Yeah, <laughs> like, so yeah. like hurt by it. And yeah. it's like, you're a child, all right? But you it could also be doing feels, drugs. It also feels so very 1985, like yeah, drug after school panic, special, yeah. you know, very Reagan, don't do drugs. Uh, 80s? Clue Gulliger is his line delivery. He has a very thankless role. He's like a jerk through the whole, through the whole movie, the father. And yeah, he, but his line delivery makes me laugh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Same. Yeah. I love his bandaid too. I love his like shitty just little stays on his cheek. On his, yeah. on his cheek for the whole rest of the movie. <laughs> yeah. Fuck man. The next morning, Jesse's mum tries to talk to him as he's leaving the house. His father is up a ladder, taking the bars off the windows. 
I'm fine. <laughs> his mum thinks he needs help and his father thinks he needs a kick in the butt or a methadone clinic. Yeah. <laughs> I, I also love his father slipping on the ladder as well. Yeah. And he, do you notice that there is a running gag through the whole movie? There is a, in the Never Sleep Again docker, they do a little super cut where every single time that he is doing something around the house, he fucks up. Like there's a time <laughs> no, he slips on a ladder, he almost stabs himself with a screwdriver, like every single time that he's, he's doing something. He's not good at home movie. repairs. He plays that role so perfectly. He's, yeah. you know, he's making his own fun. Yeah, he really is. <laughs> yeah. See, bit parts like that must be the most fun to do, I reckon. Yeah. There's such a little pressure on him and you can just smack him out of the park. Yeah. Yeah. At school, the cops are there and Grady tells Jesse that Snyder got wasted last night. And then uh, I really love this this sequence. We, there's a lot of, so many times, tiny scene happens and then we cut to Jesse sweating in bed. <laughs> like it happens through the whole movie. But I really like, I really like this one. Jesse wakes up and there's a scratching sound in his room. And when he goes to his bedroom drawer and opens it, the glove is in the drawer animate scratching at the inside of the drawer. That was fucking awesome. I loved it. And then you hear Freddy's voice say, kill for me. Mm. Kill for me. He walks to his sister's room, opens the door and finds her skipping and repeating the rhyme. It's yeah. the only time we get the rhyme yeah, in this Yeah, it's the movie. only time. I yep. fucking loved it. In the kitchen the next day, he confronts his father about why it took five years to sell this house. Oh, I don't know. I just couldn't get the right price, I suppose. You didn't know anything about the murder across the street? And the crazy girl that lived here that saw the whole thing? They told me something about it, yeah, but You I... mean you knew something about this and oh, you... come on, Cheryl. How do you think we got such a good deal here? His mother is like, what? <laughs> Why do you think we got such a good deal on this house? Yeah, I mean, if I was the dad, I would have bought that house too. It's like, man, I don't believe in that shit. <laughs> Angela is getting upset, but the father tells her that there's nothing wrong with this house. As a toaster bursts into flames, damn thing's not even plugged in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the dad's I mean, disbelief when, is when, getting to when a the, point. When, the, when that happens and it's not plugged in, that's when you move house. Or call an electrician. If it's not plugged in, an electrician can't help you. But, like, think about it. Like, if something like that happened, my first port of call is, like, electrician because, like, the heating yeah, and the toaster in. and all so that. It's, it's like, like a boat exploded and a toaster and a toaster set itself on fire. Yeah. Move house. Move also, house. apparently your listen. son had lightning struck, strike the dishes. Yeah. Listen, I recently rewatched the first Insidious movie, yeah. and I think that movie falls apart after the first two thirds, right? Okay. But one of my favorite things about that movie is they have a – there's a haunting sequence. They, li- they move into a house. Mm. There's a haunting sequence, and the first thing they do is pack up all their shit and move house. Yeah. Which is what they you don't should stay. do. As it turns out, it's not the house that's haunted – but yeah, it's one of my favorite things about that movie. Is Someone like, finally no, no, no. has a like rational the reaction. Night, the first night, spooky shit happens. They're yeah. like, no, we're out. That is true. As they should. Yeah. In a movie, always do that. In real life, I mean, things cost money. <laughs> yeah. Is that bad living with a murderous ghost? Just bring it people to kill. <laughs> uh-huh. You would, wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> it's got low property values and I'm happy there. 
Lisa and Jesse drive. This is where this ADR line. Look, I really think this is all in your mind. You know, like you're picking up some psychic signals. This replaces all of the dialogue that was meant to be in this scene yeah. of them driving together where they talk about energy and how energy exists. She says to him, you've got electricity in your body, right? And heat and chemical reactions, where does that go when you die? Jesse says, I guess into the air. And what about essential energy, like the soul? Does that go into the air? Do you think that there's good energy and bad energy? So all that stuff is just gone. It's all just taken, taken out. The movie goes back to bit as scripted. She takes him to an abandoned power plant in the script this was a steam-powered power plant, hence the boiler room. That makes more sense. Yep, does. they don't mention it. Uh, looks like a steel mill, mill to me. <laughs> it certainly does. It is, in fact, the Kaiser Steel <laughs> Mill in Fontana, California. And aside from being used in this movie, it's the same steel mill from the end of Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Uh, there you go. Okay. Yep. She found out that Fred Krueger worked there and shows him some old newspapers. One of the headlines, Springwood Slasher Arrested. This is the mm. second piece of Freddie Cannon that is kept over from this movie. The Red Door, and this is the introduction of the town name Springwood. Oh, really? Uh-huh. Yes. Was it not called Springwood in the first? I mentioned that it's not called Springwood in last in the last episode. Just not that. given a name at all. It's not given a name at all. Mm. It's just right. meant to be somewhere in the Midwest with palm okay. trees. Yeah. <laughs> Inside, she tells him that- Fred Krueger kidnapped 20 kids and brought them here and killed them. Do you feel anything? What do you mean? I don't know. I thought you might be able to make a connection or something. I feel like a jerk. Just concentrate. Trying to tap into that psychic connection, which makes more sense when she's kind of I would get that slightly psychic yeah. He does spot an old steel locker that has given him a vibe. Yeah. He walks over to Maybe it. Maybe it's the claw marks down the front of it. <laughs> and opens it. But fake out, it's a rat. Yeah. In the screenplay, she's like, well, you felt the rat. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, like oh, okay, well, maybe that part was good that it wasn't in the movie. The furnace fires up and we get a nice steady cam shot through the whole house that's in Jesse's POV as he goes to his sister's room. Yeah, this is creepy as fuck. Yeah, she wakes up. What time is it? Go back to sleep. He tells her to go back to sleep and tucks her in with the glove on his hand. That's right. Yes. Which is good fun. He ends up taking a bunch of stay up pills. Stop. Stop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And pounds cokes so he doesn't have to sleep. And at breakfast, his mother. Unlike Nancy, he does not have a secret coffee machine no, in his no. room, which is <laughs> yeah. very disappointing. Feels less ingenuitive. Mm. Ingenuitive? Sure. Nope. Not a word. <laughs> at breakfast, his mother tells him that he's looking better. Yeah. And he fucking dead eyes her in a way that makes me laugh. Every single time. Yeah, it's fucking the, good. The look he gives her, like, yeah, I look better. He looks half dead. So <laughs> what my mum would do for me as well. Yeah. So she's trying to ignore everything and put yeah. on a happy face. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Making me feel better. Yeah. Lisa's worried about him. She asks if he had another nightmare. His dad thinks he's on drugs. His mum thinks he's crazy. And at this point, he might agree with her. In the cafeteria at school... Grady, mouthful of food, asks him if he wants to see a movie to take his mind off things. I love Grady. He's such a good friend. Yeah. Kerry asks Grady if he's coming to Lisa's party tomorrow night. 
So you going to Lisa's house tomorrow night? Nope. I'm grounded. How come? I think my grandmother down flight of stairs. I love that. Obviously, Which he, he says didn't. with a full mouth. Yeah. Do you notice how many milks he has? He has like four, four milks. milks. I was like, what's going on at this school? Clearly, Grady has the run of it. Yeah. Lisa pushes Jesse to talk. Jesse, I think you should eat something. I'm not hungry. I wish you would talk to me. You know, we can figure it out. We can figure it out together. There is nothing to figure out. I don't know why you're wasting the time with this guy's bastard case. Shut up, Grady. And then when he tells him to shut up, he gets home and goes, fine, I will shut up. You're not being a good friend. And he walks away. Good for you, Grady. Yeah, stand, stand up, up for yourself. yourself. Yep. I'd love to know why Grady really is grounded. Yeah, same. <laughs> if it was pushing his grandma down the stairs, things just got a little dark. <laughs> yeah. Pool party. Yay. Oh, my fucking God, what a pool party. Yeah, so Lisa's dad is working the grill and playing his big band music. And then uh, Lisa's mum helps her out by wrangling her father to dead. To dead. To bed. <laughs> <laughs> to bed. So good. Also, like, just this scene where, like, she's looking at Jesse, like, sitting there by himself, just, like, being emo. Mm-hmm. Why is she into him? <laughs> like, there's better looking guys at the party and they clearly seem like nicer people. Yeah, I don't know. Jesse is sulking. He ends up going to the poolside cabana. Lisa comes in. He's just going to leave. Jesse, why won't you talk to me? Will you just leave me alone? You're not being fair. I want to help you. How can you help me? What are you going to do for me? Look, I feel like I'm losing my mind. And I don't want you to watch me fall apart. I'm afraid to go to sleep. I'm afraid to stay awake. I'm ruining your party. They're going to take me away. Come on, don't say that. Listen, we'll stay up all night if we have to. I'm not going to let anything happen to you. She very much reminds me of young Natasha McAlone in this scene. Okay. Mm-hmm. Karen from Californication. Yeah. Yeah, she just has a yes. Karen look. Yeah. 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 Fully. Except without the, uh, the Irish accent. Yeah. They start making out. Lisa's parents' light, go, light goes off and the real party starts. They turn on uh, some real music and roll out a red wagon full of beers. Yeah. It's getting hot in the cabana. So from the screenplay, an ungodly long iridescent serpent-like tongue flicks out a foot out of his mouth, wiggles and flicks back in. Jesse moans, not in his own voice. It's fucking it's He fucking freaks dark. out they, and then just like splits without even saying a word to her. Yeah. Leaving her on the cabana floor. Yeah. He's also... That scene made me a little uncomfortable because he's holding on to those boobs for dear life. So that we don't see them. Uh, it's the blocking of the scene, right? Right. Like he's cupping her breasts so that we don't see her breasts. And then he's oh. like licking her between her breasts, kissing between her breasts. Oh, okay. It's basically so that we can have our nudity but not have our nudity. Right, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Interesting. I Just never a thought about strange that. Strange bit of blocking. Yeah. Yeah. To keep Lisa, um, Lisa's modesty. Yes. Sure. Yeah. He goes to Grady. Almost Just breaks into his fucking room. How long has he known him for this? Like at this point, I don't know. It feels like it's been like two three days. days. Three yeah. Days. yeah. <laughs> Fuck. He almost jumps into bed with him, waking him up. He begs Grady to let him stay. I'm in trouble. I need you to let me stay here tonight. Are you out of your mind? Man. 
don't you just go home and take a bottle of sleeping pills? I killed Snyder. You what? Only it wasn't me, see? There's something inside of me. And last night it made me go to my sister's room. And tonight with Lisa on the cabana, it started to happen again. I think you are seriously losing it, bro. I'm scared, Grady. Something is trying to get inside my body. Yeah, and she's female and she's waiting for you in the cabana. And you want to sleep with me. What subtext? <laughs> Can he? <laughs> got there first. What fucking subtext? Uh, Robert Russler, by the way, is like, I knew this was a gay allegory from the first audition. Yeah. Robert Russler's like, I knew what I was playing. What a fucking legend. Just really quick side note. Did anyone notice the fucking leather quilt? Yeah. <laughs> it's got on the bed. It's so weird. Okay. So 80s. The quilt okay. underneath it and his... Pillowcase is the same pillowcase and blanket as DJ from Full House. There you go. Oh my god, that is such a deep cut. Such a weird pull. <laughs> you I so notice it every yourself. time. Okay. And I double checked. It's the same one. I'm fucking. I'm here for he's, it. It's it like he's the- got he's got his childhood quilt, and then he's just got a leather one over the top to make him feel cool. I'm fucking here for it. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Uh, Jesse, Jesus Christ. Jesse convinces Grady just to watch him sleep and wake him if anything weird happens. And Grady. Don't fall asleep. I maintain that you just shouldn't trust teenage boys with this kind of help because yeah. it didn't work last time. And I reckon that if he had stayed at the party and gotten Lisa to help him, none of this would have happened. She would have stayed <laughs> awake and made sure that he didn't Lisa, do anything weird. Lisa is like right there asking to help. Yeah. <laughs> he goes to Grady to be like, hey, not, I need you to. Who's not being helpful in any situation. Not at all. Yeah. yeah. But Fucking hell. He's shirtless. Yeah. Yeah. And, True. Yeah, and it works on another, it works, it works on the subtext d- level yeah. as well, but it also works on like a. But poor Grady. I understand as like a young guy not wanting to like show certain things to like girls and being like, oh, I'm more comfortable being like vulnerable in front of guy mates, even though it's traditionally not what happens. Mm. Lisa's sad about Jesse and Carrie tells her to fuck the party, go see him. So she get, goes to get ready to leave. Grady's slipping through channels and tells the sleeping Jesse, sweet dreams, pal, and then just goes to sleep. He's so sweet. But then. He's so sweet. The second that Grady's eyes close, <laughs> Jesse's open. Justice for Grady. It's starting to happen again. From the screenplay, Jesse doubles over and curls up in obvious incredible pain, falling to his knees. He flails out as, as if a thousand volts were going through his body and begins to choke on his own tongue. Grady scrambles out of bed and dances around Jesse, not knowing what to do. On Jesse's hand, as he raises it, his fingers spread widely apart. Four steel razor knives tear out of them within the tops of Jesse's fingers like long bloody switchblades. Grady stands by helplessly as Jesse rises, and then it's like some crazed beast in Jesse's gut tearing away out of his skin like something stepping through a thick latex film. As his skin peels away, thousands of capillaries pull apart, spraying blood everywhere in a fine, almost powdery mist. The transformation is almost complete when Fred Krueger's body steps out of the red cloud. All that is left of Jesse is his screaming face plastered like a grisly rubber mask over Freddy's own disfigured features. Ah, that's fucking wild. I love this sequence. This might be one of the best, this bit in particular might be one of the best effect sequences in the whole in the whole series like him coming out when yeah his face pressing through his chest his chest i mean it looks like makeup but it's still so cool and the eyeball in his mouth yeah, yeah. The eyeball in his mouth is just it's just great i love that freddie takes the time to put his hat back on <laughs> yeah 
Freddie Burster. Yeah. I love yep. Freddie Burster. Yep. <laughs> Grady's, Grady's parents are trying to get in because Grady is screaming and then the claws come through the door on the other so side. So good and yeah. blood trickles through. Yeah. So good. And Grady is dead. Now, originally Grady was meant to have a big makeup piece on his front where his whole chest is torn out. Yeah. But they ran out of time. So he has four dainty little red slashes. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like... Continuous with the last movie, I suppose. There was always They're two not straighter even, cuts. The, Tina's are more elaborate than this is. Yeah. Like, it's just literally <laughs> somebody got red and just drew on him. Yeah. Like, okay. there's no depth to them whatsoever. They actually look fucking terrible. Yeah. Okay. And it's just they ran out of time because mm. they're also doing the transformation sequence, right? Yeah. So, Which um, is amazing. Yeah. Mm. We pan to a mirror and Freddie waves at Jesse. So He's glove covered in blood and wearing the glove again. This and is the little bit of like show and dance Freddy we get. Yeah, and I wish that there was more of this in the movie. Yeah. Jesse throws the glove at the mirror and then uh and then escapes out the window. Lisa's about to leave the house and when she opens her front door, Jesse is there, covered in blood. Why go back to hers? Uh, well he needs someone, he's someone to help to him. Yeah. I think Mark Patton is fucking great in this sequence. Like yeah. I actually think this is some of his both him and, and um and Kim Myers, I think this is some of their their stronger strongest work. Yeah, agreed. He tells Lisa that he killed Grady and Snyder. I killed Grady. I killed Grady. Lisa, I killed Snyder. Oh, oh my God. I'm so scared. Jesse, what are you talking about? He's inside me. I'm scared. Jesse, who is doing this to you? Fred Krueger. He's inside me and he wants to take me again. No subtext. None. <laughs> Just text. Out of the pool, Kerry calls out for someone to turn down the heat. Hot dogs burst into flames and start popping. Beers start bursting for some how, reason. How good's the um the dude pops up to manage the hot dogs that are on fire? Chucks is in the barbecue and I was like, "Yeah, Yay. you did it!" Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that, that felt very true to party kind of. Yeah, reaction. anytime something bad goes, as long as you handle it a little bit, it's like good on you. Yeah, Lisa, who has Nancy's diary. Reads Jesse another entry as they sit on the couch. Maybe put a towel down because that boy is covered in yeah. blood. He is evil itself. I know now that I brought him into my world. We all did. Gave him all the energy he needed. Our screams were all he needed. Lisa? Jesse, she wasn't crazy. All this really happened. You can fight him. Oh God, he's coming back. Get out of here, Lisa! Jesse, fight him! I can't! Fight it, Jesse! You created him, you can destroy him! Lisa! He is living off of your fear. And then Freddy has magically locked Lisa's parents' mm. door. The aquarium starts to boil. TV explodes. The aquarium explodes. I also like fish. Yes. So yeah. not happy this about the sad. aquarium either. <laughs> yeah. There's lots of people that die in this movie. <laughs> Have you met me? I'm always more concerned about the animals and the soft toys. Isn't that funny? Um, Jesse falls out of view. Yeah. Sorry, we got something. I was just going to say, this is the moment where I was like, is he going to kill the whole party? 
Mm. And I was getting so amped and it kind of dies off in a second, but I'll get there when we get there. Yeah. So Jesse falls out of view and then Freddie stands up. Yeah. He's here in the real world. Did the whole arm on top of the desk yeah. first. Love it. He chases Lisa around. He ends up biting her leg. And yeah, this is the version of Freddy that doesn't have a glove. This is just yeah. knives coming out of the end of his fingertips that are quite thin. They are quite yeah. thin. They're more kind of needly. Yeah. Um, the pool started to boil and kids try to get inside to Lisa, but the door is locked. There's a shot of like her trying to get out the door and there's kids on the other side and she can't get out. And so she takes a step back and she looks and turns and Freddie is just standing there next to uh, like a display cabinet. And then Freddie just like pushes stuff off the shelf like he's a fucking cat. <laughs> it's just plates. It's, it's just like, like he was waiting for her to look at him and it's like, now you're looking? Huh, it's just like you. He's just causing a ruckus. It is fucking 100% so like a cat. He I is a cat. <laughs> like, what is it cat. like? Look, ha ha ha, you're pretty things. Yeah. What the fuck is pretty doing in that moment? Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, I just, it always makes me laugh. Lisa pleads for Jesse to help. There is no Jesse. I'm Jesse now. You can um, really hear the, uh, the whale sounds on the score in this sequence. Can you? Every single time that Freddy appears in this movie, you hear whale song in the background. Kill me, Lisa. Please kill me. <laughs> Come on, Lisa. Kill him. I didn't pick that Weird. up. It is so strange. I haven't talked about music much this episode. I misspoke last week. I was like, oh yeah, they use the theme through all of the rest of the movies. This is the one where they don't. Uh, None of the music continues into the second movie and then they bring it back for the third. For, for okay, the third I did movie. not notice the music in this film at all. Yeah, Maybe because it's not memorable. Yeah. yeah. Maybe that's why our son was less scared of this one. Yes, perhaps. Interesting. Lisa has grabbed a knife and stabs ineffectually at Freddy. She's re- this is where I think her performance is really good. Her yeah. like desperation and her breakdown. I, I think from the w- moment he walks through the door, it's it's a really great sequence. Mm. Yeah. From inside, Jesse kind of fights back, although it's not very clear, but that is what's happening. And then Freddy jumps through a set of French doors, disappearing halfway through. So at this point, I thought that was done for the encounter, and I yeah. was like, wait, okay, who saw what? Right. Like what was real to who? And I was like, oh, God damn. I really thought he was working up to kill everyone at this party. Mm. But then. Yeah. So then this happens. The kids in the yard are confused. Lisa's parents' door just opens like it's over. From the script. Everyone looks around spooked. Suddenly there is a huge ripping sound and Freddy violently crashes up through some concrete. On the kids screaming at the side of the monster. On the pool as it begins to churn and boil. The razor knives fan open as a brave boy screams at Freddy. Freddy swipes the knives towards his throat. Total chaos has taken over. Kids are running in every direction, screaming as Freddy lashes out indiscriminately. Several kids break for a gate. The padlock is secure. One kid grabs onto the chain link fence to try to climb it. The links smoke and sizzle and the kids let out a scream. His hands are branded with the patterns of the steel links. Fire rings the backyard. Lisa's parents find her and look out at the chaos. A kid is trampled to death. That was awesome. I yeah, love that. Yeah, that kid's neck breaking. Freddy stands in the center of the patio, swinging his claw as a few do-gooders circle him and try to calm him down like he was just an ordinary homicidal maniac. Yeah. <laughs> Again, just trying to be too clever. One do-gooder who's watched too many police dramas on TV jockeys around Freddy and throws out some hostage control lines. Hey! Just calm down, right? Relax. Yeah. 
It's gonna be all right. Nobody's gonna hurt you. Just tell us what you want, all right? I'm here to help you. Help yourself, fucker! That guy always <laughs> makes me laugh. I the guy trying to reason with the fucking... Nobody's the melted man you. with knives in his fingers. What if that had worked? Like, he would have been the fucking man. Everyone <laughs> <laughs> would be like, dude, you're so great in this situation. I don't know, Freddy stabs him and then yeets him <laughs> into the grill. <laughs> That line. Now, look, it's fucking so dumb that Freddy is just in the real world with no like real. Yeah, pro- but proper I'm here for it. I was here from it as soon as they started talking tag team. But I do love the idea. I love the idea that Freddy is a kind of type of mind virus, like a teen angst infection. Yeah. And the idea that he can't really hurt you until you know who he is. Yeah. And that this is the moment that he starts to begin to spread fear beyond the original children, the original children of Elm Street is a really great idea. It's fucking awesome. But it is also really dumb that he just pops out of the ground like a fucking clown. Yeah. Yes and no. If we remember that he still manifested the body of like, it still makes sense within the like, this film's logic. I, but what if the movie was like, I love him coming out of Jesse's body to kill Grady. But then I also love that when we whip back to the mirror, it's It's, just Jesse. I like that. Right. So that's what I was thinking when he first disappeared and I was like, who saw what did they see? Um, not Grady. Did they see, see Jesse, Jesse or did they see, or did exactly. they see Freddy? Right. So that's interesting. Yeah. Right? But the movie does away with that. Like here, this just is just Freddy. Freddy. I agree. This that would be just better. Freddy running around. Where is Jesse right now? Yeah. Right. Like, well, we're going to find out that he's not, he's not here. Yeah. So I, I like the idea. And I guess that this is once Freddy is completely taken over, but I don't like the idea of Freddy just being in the real world. Yeah. I like the idea he's of not someone rolling Jesse in the real world. Yeah, Yeah. he's not someone who's trapped in the dream world trying to get to the real world. He is someone who goes in and out as he pleases. He's using this, yeah, and he's just, it it works if he's just using this kid who happens to sleepwalk to kill other kids. That yeah. love that, that angle. That, that yeah, that works. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Freddie then just goes into a bush that catches fire. <laughs> so what I really loved is how uh, she ran out, stopped her dad from shooting him, and then you had this look from Freddie. It was like, oh, she loves she loves me, even though I'm Freddie. Mm. And then he fucking he dips out. Yeah, I forgot out. to mention that. that yeah. Yeah. The, the dad comes out with a shotgun. But like it fucked with me because I was like, is this going to be like a weird fucking Sid and Nancy? Like she gets toxic as fuck just to stay with <laughs> Jesse. They're going to pull the Hannibal in. There, yeah. Yeah. Where, where Clarice goes off with Hannibal. But also like he fucking dipped in Spoiler the exact way. Yeah. He dipped in the exact way that I thought he was and wanted him to dip out of there. Just like fire through the fucking bushes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Lisa in his car, in Jesse's car, rolls to the power plant, which is now just lit in red and green lighting for yeah. reasons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a little. It's a little on the nose. We do get the sound of it like starting up, but it doesn't look like it's started up when she gets inside. We'll talk no. about that in a second. She also wraps the wound on her leg where Freddie bit her. Uh, the demon dogs with baby faces. 
Not a great effect. What the <laughs> fuck was with that? Yeah, that it's, was It's weird. in the screenplay. In the screenplay, it's like described, you know, it's one of those things where we had an idea, it was in the screenplay, we did it, it didn't work, and some for some reason we left it in the movie. It was super creepy, but yeah, it did not work. It, it's terrible. It's such a bad effect. It just looks like a Rockweiler wearing a mask. <laughs> It's yeah. so bizarre. I feel, I feel bad for the dogs. Yeah. So Lisa walks into the power plant and we get this crane shot that shows the size of this place and it is fucking massive. I was it like, also shows an expensive off- shot just for this. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's not, you're just using the scale of the, the production scale. What is interesting about that shot is how clearly few lights they have to light. <laughs> yeah, true. They talk about the fact, so this movie has the same cinematographer as the first movie. Jack Hayton worked, okay. uh, Hayton worked on worked on both movies and he's like, yeah, we just didn't have the money to light that. So that's why there's like one little like can, one is. little thing of green with yeah. a smoke machine and one yeah. little thing of red and the rest of it is just like flooded in wash light. Yeah. <laughs> like it's fucking daytime. Yeah. Yeah, but it is the scale of that, of that um, steel mill is insane. Yeah. Uh, power plant quote unquote. She walks around a little bit. She ends up pulling the bandage off her leg and it's covered in ants and then it's not. So Freddie is fucking with her, how he's doing that in the real world. Again, it's just one of those things. I Um, also, this is where like a bit of the cinematography is showed off in like the smaller shots as well. Like mm. when she's walking along the grate and the hook is just like hanging there in the foreground Mm. blurred out. I just love little touches like that because it's like it's menacing, also kind of vaguely looks like a noose. It's just like it's really, I love details like that. Freddy's kind of fucking with her. We get the demon rat. Also not a great effect. The animals were fucking weird. The demon rat and the demon cat. Yeah. It was so bizarre. Doesn't really work. I do like Lisa running along and then a walkway falling yeah. from, from, from her. And then she's hanging, holding onto the railing. Then we pull out and the walkway is still there. That is really good. But it would make sense if she was asleep. Yeah. Because that's like a dream thing, but this isn't supposed to be a dream. Although this is his lair, though, so but we it's, could it's permit that. It's also that. the only. Uh, what also? And it's, sorry, spoilers. This is the only time we go to the actual physical place. Oh, really? In the whole series, because his boiler room is meant to be a metaphor. I so liked the, the other, first one the other, where we went to it and every time there was a dream and exactly. he was going to kill you, he ended this up killing I, you in the boiler room. This is what I mean: is is that. There is almost no dream imagery in this movie. We're yeah. always in the real. In this movie, we go to like the real places. She should be asleep. She should be asleep. Yeah. She should have had to be asleep to go and rescue Jesse. Yeah, that would make that, way more sense. That's the whole point of all the other films, right? You'll you'll find it. Okay. I just. It's what also, we learned from the first one. Like it just yeah. makes sense to do it that way, and yeah. it's kind of more scary that way. A hundred percent. Because then you're going on his territory. I mean, even this is his territory, but it's still the real world. So yeah. it's not. Yeah. In the dream, there's the dream logic, right? Freddy's yeah. in charge. Yeah. How is he manipulating the environment here? Like it's, yeah. it's the real world. Yeah. So it is magic now. Yeah. She stands up, and then Freddy's right there. She ends up in a dead end, and then she pleads for Jesse. Jesse's dead. Jesse! Lisa! I love you, Jesse! You can call for her and begin to fight back. She's running away to leave, but Freddy calls her back. I am not afraid of you. And you are going to go. 
She grabs his glove. She kneels beside Freddy and takes off his hat and begins to lovingly stroke his head. He seems to be writhing a bit and emits several frightened moans. Locked in this strange embrace, she presses her lips against his with as much passion as she can muster and kisses him. There's a moment of quiet and then smoke starts to rise off of Freddy. He pushes her away with an excruciating scream. The room is rapidly heating up. A small flame shoots across the railing. Small fires begin to break out on the catwalk around Freddy. I do love all the fire stuff. The fire Mm. stuff is great. I mean, you can see the gel. You can see the fire gel in every shot, but it still looks cool. On Lisa, surrounded by flames and smoke, she watches it all with fear and amazement. On Freddy, his flesh starting to melt. Freddy bursts into a dense, all-engulfing flame. The power plant is going crazy. The steaming, smoking, and flaming all reaching uh, their high peak. And then everything begins to slow down ease off the flames are dying around the shard corpse and we can see it is no longer moving the little fires around him are dying also and then the smoke and steam and deafening noise abate on freddy's corpse the fires are out now there is only some smoke and a terrible heat has caught has turned to a cool blue light the still smoldering corpse with its back to us begins to stir lisa backs away terrified the corpse turns to her it is jesse his clothes smouldering, his body singed and blackened with soot, but alive, coming around as if it was all just a bad dream. Lisa moves to him and cradles him in her arms. This is one of Freddy's best deaths in the entire series. Freddy has more than I one de- more than one death, and this is one of the best. It is ones. pretty spectacular. This yeah. is the Mark Showstrom transformation mechanical effects stuff the head meltdown is yeah. incredible and that is just a wax head that's just a, a wax head it's the head it's melt so is good. beautiful so it's so beautiful to watch and like i've seen way more modern stuff recently do that that yeah. trick and it just looked like it's a wax head melting where this you know it's a wax head melting but like there's something to it maybe like a bone or something that pops out every now yeah. and again just it's, works really it really just well looks good. Yeah, yeah. It's really good and then because bob shay loves this ending lisa and jesse get on a school bus <laughs> yeah all um, is well jesse's scared straight now okay yeah. So, so yeah yeah play this at conversion camps oh. yeah. fucking um all right so after the good old freddy kiss which i love that they work that yeah that's good movie. too yeah the straight kiss yeah that sorts everything out yeah wow do you read this as jesse fighting back yes oh that's what happens he comes back see i read it as Freddie's in control 100% of the time. And he does this as part of how we were talking about last time to but, like a bit Anglin of the showmanship. England you know? is scared through this scene. He's yeah. scared of Lisa. But I think. He's scared I, of Lisa and all Lisa's doing is talking. But, she, but she's Freddie's talking the to, one who turns on the pipes that start the fire. No, they just turn on. Mm, I like my read better. <laughs> I like That's wrong. Where this is all better. just him manipulating them no. to be no, safe the- and then he can get them again. No. J- Lisa talks to Jesse inside Freddy yeah. and, and gives, gets him to, and gives gets Jesse him to come the strength back, to, to, fight come, back. to come back because okay. Freddy cowers away from Lisa as she's talking when she goes to like take his hat off and kiss him Freddy is scared I get that has a has like They've it makes sense the, for the, the movie fear on him I, I get that that I get that that makes sense for the movie I just like this this realm that like 
Freddie's never in doubt that he's the one in control. Yeah, but that's and the thing. In this people. in this film, he's not in control because he's not in his dreamscape. He's come to the real world. Yeah, okay. So it makes sense for him to not be as... Uh, see, and I was to be able that. to be full. Back I was against. with that read until the pipes turned on and that's what caused the fire. And but I that's was the like, thing uh, is like the movie doesn't make any sense. Yeah, 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 I get Because you. it breaks all its own rules. I get you. Why can, how can Freddie lock the door of Lisa's parents' house? Yeah. It yeah. make sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like but, did, but did Freddie turn on the tap then? The valve that started the fire? Well, yeah, in the it screenplay, really it's the power plant coming yeah. back to life, right? True. And in the screenplay, it actually says that he is yeah, yeah. recoiling from yeah, her. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. They're on the bus. Uh, Carrie's there too. She laughs. That was a great party. So it happened. Yeah. Right. And she's like, laughing about the deaths and of all these people. And all these kids died. And, and she's way too bus. into it and smiley, guys. Okay, she's suspicious. Not, fuck, man. <laughs> Stop it. There's a conspiracy and I found it. The bus is going a little bit too fast. Jesse's like freaking out. But no, it's all fine. And then Freddie's glove bursts out of Carrie's chest and the bus bounces into the great deserts of Ohio. Mm. And that is the end of the movie. I love that. I love that that's the reoccurring ending. If that happens at all the rest of the films, I'm down for it. In the screenplay, yeah. Carrie isn't on the bus. Right. Lisa and Jesse can't believe that it's over. Lisa puts a finger to, to Jesse's mouth to cut him off. No need to talk about unpleasant things. Jesse smiles again. She's right. He kisses her. Jesse moves his head away from hers, ready for a big kiss. Lisa's eyes are closed, ready to receive it. She opens her eyes. They are pupilless, blood-streaked, demonic. With an evil roar, a huge serpent tongue flicks out of her mouth and attacks Jesse, who screams, cut to black. Fuck yeah. So that is a better ending as far as I'm that concerned. Is, that yeah. is a better ending. Lisa's possessed now? Yeah, Like Freddy got in Lisa? Yeah. Right? He just shifted bodies? Like I in love the that. Ah, oh, so good. So anyway, and that is an I'm Randall Street Part 2. That was fucking dope. Freddy's Revenge. Tyler Lay Watch on this movie. She was the production manager. Mm. Nice. Uh, I also should, should shout out that Dan Bradley was the stunt coordinator on this movie, and I've talked about him before. He's Jason Voorhees in one scene of Friday the 13th Part you, 6. Jason you said Lives. that, yeah. yeah. And he was the stunt coordinator on, this, on um, this movie. There's one stunt that I actually like would love for you to explain where he bursts through the window and disappears <laughs> yeah. in the yard. Yeah. The glass still goes and he disappears. It's so is it two, two different, different shots? It's two different takes. This is dissolved. There's a very- That is smooth. That's real clean. Uh, it's not. Is it's it just, not? It's it, it works in motion. It doesn't work the 10th or 12th, 15th time that you've seen it. Because I was going to say the same thing with him bursting out by the pool, does he not burst up? And does my mind just think that he no, bursts burst up? up? He he's burst up on like a little cannon thingy. It's see, like a I thought down. they must have burst the floor and then it cut it, and he appears. You can see, you can see that there is clearly a, like a little like platform built, and there's like this wooden cover, shitty wooden cover thing that's clearly made out of like balsa wood or whatever. Like right. it's on the cheap. It works in motion. Yeah, it, it does. Doesn't work when you've seen the movie as many times as, I, as okay. I've seen the movie. Yeah, okay. the, the um. Him jumping through the, the window and disappearing is a great effect, but it's yeah. just two different takes. There's one where some men jump through the window and there's one where they, I think they probably just blew the window, blew the window out because there is a clear dissolve. The, yeah, of him disappearing and the, reappearing. No, no, the debris changes position. Oh, no, I miss that. It works yeah, really it, well. It works in motion yeah. the first time you see it. Yeah. yeah. An appropriate age to have seen A No Man on Street Part 2, Freddy's Revenge. I reckon this is one that... Funnily enough, you can show kids at a younger age these days. Like, I feel like kids are harder to scare. I, I'd go, if you yeah, really want to like, scare them. 
Yeah. If I you really want to scare him, eight or nine. If you want him to like be like, oh, that was a pretty good movie, like 12 or 13. I still think 12 or 13 just because I can't imagine. I don't know whether there's as much in this one for kids. Yeah, I'd agree with that. For starters, there's less Freddy for fun Freddiness. There's but more like teenagers being teenagers, yeah, which young so kids I, like. Yeah, I don't know whether young kids would care about the teenage drama of it. Yeah. I think I was... It's a little bit harder to gauge because it's the one that I didn't really like and the one that I don't, I didn't remember as well. And I used to skip it. But thinking about when Freddy became kind of bigger in my life, I must have been about 10 or 11. Yeah. But you wrote about it in year one. But I think that that's because it was, because it, again, but I don't remember any of that. Yeah. Right. Right. So I don't think I saw the movie when I was that age. I don't think maybe I did, but if I did, I don't. I have no memory of it. The my, marketing. My would first have been memory of seeing the movie is 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 later than that. I get that. My niece and nephew like fucking love the It Clown. You've mentioned that so many times on this podcast. Yeah, but like they'd never seen the <laughs> movie not until seen like it, yeah. not too long. But that's ago. because of all the TikTok dancing. Yeah, and and things. yeah, yeah. Get off the internet. Would you watch this movie again if you're in free will? Yes. Oh, I don't know. Mm. Let me think about this. Yeah, I would. A rating for this movie, the way that we rate movies is on a five-star scale, with one being I hated this movie, two being I did not like this movie, two and a half being I like parts of this movie, it was fine, three being I like this movie, four being I love this movie, and five being this is one of my favorite movies of all time. Brody should go first. Ooh. Would you like to know what you gave the last one? <laughs> yeah, that would actually be very insightful. You initially gave it a 4.5, but after hearing our ratings, you gave it a 5. Yeah. This is the lowest score. Um, not for any real reason, but the first one I was just like, it was a bit of a funner ride for me. And I know I said this one had the fun in it a lot, but I think the way I was reading, like you were saying that maybe the things that I'm reading is comedy or parody or, or mm. humor is not really intentional. So it's a very modern lens, but I think the first one, definitely a five, especially after the chat. I think this one for me personally would be a 3.5, but I think just on the film it it is maybe a four. I think a four because it's kind of one of those movies that like the- It's supposed to be your rating. So if it's for you personally a 3.5, doesn't that make it a 3.5? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I was going to give it a bit of an honor bump. You know you what I mean? You don't have to do that. You yeah. Don't, you don't while you're real it. writing. Maybe a 3.5 then. 3.5? Yeah. Because yeah. you're not writing for other people. This is about I, you, Brady. I loved parts of this movie, but I don't think it would be, yeah. But you don't love, love the love. Yeah. Although it is fascinating here, all the history about it. I'll stand. I'll stand with mine. I'm wrestling between a 4 and a 4.5 because I thought I was just going to go straight for like all of them being four point, all of them being fives, but I think actually no. So this one isn't as good. It's it's a good movie, but it's not as good. I'm gonna say f- four. I love this movie, but it's not one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah, so this is a movie that over the past ten years for me has grown in my feelings immensely. Sure. If you had asked me to rate this movie, rank this movie ten years ago, it would have been a two. Really? I didn't like this movie. Because it was the bad nightmare. It's the one where Freddy's not, Freddy's not real. Yeah. Uh, well, Freddy. But it is one of those rare movies that you get to see a franchise take a left turn. Yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah, and and ultimately, even the, even in the past like week and a bit since watching the first movie and then this movie back to back, there is a distinct drop in quality. 
Yeah. Th- that quality is not, is because of one is directed by Wes Craven. <laughs> yeah. And the other is not. This is also one of the rare occasions where I am for the film, but against the filmmakers. <laughs> right? Right? Yeah. I think this movie is a lot of fun. Every time I watch it, my rating get, my rating gets higher and higher. Really? Yep. There's no other Nightmare movie that is like this. It is the Black True. Movie. And for that, I really like it. Yeah. For that, I love it. Yeah. So it's a four-star movie for me. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That also sounds reminiscent of Halloween um, 3. Oh, well, Halloween 3 is a five-star movie, but yeah. Yeah, but also some of the reasons why you like why it. Why I love it yeah. is because, it's, because yeah. it's different. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yes, you're right there. Yeah. The, the, um, the series will attempt to course correct. As I said, they will take two things from this movie. And that is it. That is the only thing. The Red that will Door and Springwood. From, from what <laughs> I know of this canon. franchise, they rightly correct from this movie, right? I don't know. Oh, give me some. I don't know. No, you could not <laughs> know ahead of time. No. So we've got to move on to our next episode. Yay. The way that we pick movies is that my co-hosts alternate taking turns, picking from three choices that I have prepared. This week is Brody's pick. It is me. It is yeah. you. I picked this one. <laughs> if a movie remains unpicked for three times, it is struck out and taken off the list, although I can bring it back a late date of my choosing. Still on the list is only one movie. Uh-huh. It is John Carpenter's Halloween with two strikes. Halloween. I think he'll come back. That's rough. It is rough. I don't think it's going to happen, Brody. I know. I don't think it's going to happen. I know. So I have two. If what's on the list is I think is going to be a list, I'm pretty keen for it. <laughs> okay. What do you think is going to be on the list? The next one? It could be Friday the 13th, maybe. You don't know. If it's. <laughs> it was Friday the 13th the other day. It was it very was Friday exciting. Friday the 13th yesterday. And maybe I don't know as much as I think I know. Well, it's, so in October, we tend to pick. Spooky movies. Yeah. Tend to put spooky movies on the list. I mean, I'll put a spooky movie on the list any time of the year, but yeah. in October it feels like we have to yeah. feel obligated. Yeah. Because, you know. It's not just like what people do in media. It's also some of our favorite time of the year. Yeah. So, yeah. This, I've, got two, movie, I've got two movies. To, yeah. Yeah. I've got two movies to add to the list. Yeah. So I am adding, firstly, A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 4. Oh, my God. The Dream Master. There's a saying they have on Elm Street. One good nightmare deserves another. (laughs) And you thought the nightmare was over. Well, dream on. A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 4. The Dream Master. Finally, someone's ready for Freddy. Pup four. Yeah. Why are we skipping three, Ken? Oh, this fucking cover is dope. I own that one sheet. Oh, I own that. I own an original version of that poster. Ah, this looks so sick. The Dream Master. Can't read it. Can't read it. I can't read it. I'm looking at the photos. So I'm very. Concerned about the fact that three isn't on the list. Three, okay. Well, I have to add. Or he could have just fully stacked the deck and like we're watching a Freddy movie. 
The third film on the list is A Nightmare on Street Part 3. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> I know you too well. Dream Warriors. Oh my god, look at the casual stance of this sexy Freddy on the front cover. <laughs> it's Fuck a weird yeah. cover. I've, so it's the orange cover. People that know the Nightmare movies will know what that cover is. It is not the one shape poster. The one shape poster is a completely different design. It's always struck me as being a very odd cover for that movie. Fuck. Dream there is Warriors. no hesitation. <laughs> this is Dream Warriors for fucking sure. Oh, really? I'm fucking Dream Warriors. Like, can I just say, like, <laughs> if this was up against some other heavy hitters, the amount this one fucking sings Dream Warriors, <laughs> I, I will be at home sometimes and just be like, Dream Warriors. I've never seen the fucking film. <laughs> so, yes, please introduce me to this. One Dream Warriors, please. Yes. Yeah. I put this on, on playlists that are for me- meant to be for parties. It's just got Dream Warriors just randomly. That's why Brody knows the song. Yeah. So it is also R-rated. Awesome. You will note that Nightmare 4 is not R-rated. Oh. <laughs> okay. So it gets a little bit more kid-friendly. <laughs> yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> sure, why not? This is the one that, like, this is the peak of the series, right? I don't know. I is think, it? Fuck you. <laughs> I think everybody probably also feels differently, so. Uh, yeah, okay, people okay. feel differently about it. Okay. This is obviously one that I quite enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So uh, uh, that's it. We, um, yeah, we're doing that, man. It's, it's happening. This yeah. is just what's what, what we do now. <laughs> yeah, it's we're a Freddy podcast. But, yep. <laughs> all Freddy all the time. <laughs> He's inside us now. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, by the time we're done with this, we'll be ready for our Christmas movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we should, no, no, no. This is going to run all the way through December. Fuck yeah. Um, hey, we need a Christmas movie. Yeah, we. Well, I'm on this podcast, man. <laughs> There's a Christmas nightmare, right? No, but there should be. There should yeah, be. there really yeah. should be. So come back next week for Homework Club, and then back in two weeks for another. Been loving the Homework Club. That's good. Uh, don't watch Pin. Uh, Nightmare on <laughs> Street Part Three: Dream Warriors. You did. Yeah, some somebody did watch Pin. Yeah, somebody did watch Pin. They messaged me. Yeah, very upset. Uh, I told them not to. <laughs> <laughs> They were like, I'm uh, like. The disclaimer is so you don't watch it. Yeah. They were like, okay. Yeah, no, you were right about that one. <laughs> I fucking told you not to watch that movie. But thank you for taking part, audience members. Yes, yeah, of course. Yeah. It's a good time. Uh, yeah, so don't like, don't subscribe, don't come back. Get Leave us a review so that Brody has to tell us more stories. Get off the yeah. internet. I'll do that for Freddie anyway if we really want to. But no, definitely leave us a review. Only if you to get a review, man. I'll give you better ones if there's reviews. Don't be giving that shit away for free. <laughs> okay, I won't, I won't. Um, Just like my feet picks. No, we can cut that. <laughs> I'm scared. <laughs> yeah, only Couldn't help myself. Brody's feet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And assume Dream the position. Warriors. <laughs> I knew that was coming. I don't know, Bart. Something tells me Willie's still out there and that he could come back any time in any form and kill us in ways we can't even imagine. Boo! <laughs> 
Stop! I left my gun on the seat! 